are on air for Fan for Racing Radio. It is 7.30 p.m. Uh, Central Time on Thursday, August the 25th. That's 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And we are here tonight for our Daytona 2 and Milwaukee NASCAR Weekend Preview. We'll have Hot Topic Sound off at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman, welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, each one of these races is uh, very exciting in its own way. The Mil- Milwaukee Mile, a historic short track. Uh, love to see that on the schedule there in the Midwest. Daytona is Daytona. And for the Cup Series, <laughs> it's all on the line. It is indeed. Uh, we're we're going to start out tonight in our first half hour. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to have some short track news and uh, um, info about some upcoming races. We'll also preview the Arca Menards, the Arca East, and Sioux Chief Showdown. It's one race, but three points paying uh, series for the Milwaukee Mile, and we'll follow that up with some ARCA West and NASCAR Truck Series updates. Uh, They are not racing this weekend, the ARCA West and the NASCAR Truck Series. Afterwards, we'll preview the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series regular season finale at Daytona International Speedway. And at 9.30, we'll start our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion. And once again, we've got a full house with uh, Andy and Mike joining us, Jay. Full house and a full list of topics. I know the other night I think we actually only got through two topics. Uh, There's a couple tonight that, you know, are just as big. So definitely want to stay tuned in for that or come back. Come on at the Hot Topics, uh, 830 mark, 930 Eastern. Yes. 9.30 Eastern. Yes, indeed, it is going to be uh, an interesting conversation, uh, to say the least. But let's go ahead and get into some short track news. Uh, We're still racing at North Wilkesboro. Uh, That has been so much fun uh, to see happening this year. And guess who's racing uh, this weekend at North Wilkesboro? Uh, Let me see if I – oh, is this – all right, Dale Earnhardt Jr., the two-time Daytona 500 winner just hopes to finish all the laps. I find that hard to believe that that'll happen, but it's late model racing. It's North Wilkesboro. You don't know, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. definitely a headline this weekend. Yes, indeed, and and actually it's uh, Tuesday and Wednesday next week, and uh, you'll definitely want to uh, check that out. Uh, this uh, this race with uh, Dale Jr. taking part in it. Um, Let's see. I think I was looking for a uh, for a um, entry list, but I don't see it. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's not the only. Uh, I, I've, got, I've got a feeling there's some other NASCAR drivers that will be taking part in that late model event. Uh, but Dale Jr., of course, <laughs> one of the sport's uh, most popular drivers, uh, is certainly the headline there. So we'll look forward to seeing him back on the track. Uh, there's all kinds of racing to watch. Uh, there's all kinds of articles uh, to check out, too, uh, over at Racing America. Uh, the Oxford 250 is also taking place this weekend. Go ahead. The 49th Annual. 
That one, yeah, you're right. That one's a big one because, again, you're coming up on 50 years of, a, of an event, the 49th annual. But I did find an entry list just to throw some names out there real quick. Uh, okay. Connor Hall, Carson Kavapel, Chad McCumbie, uh, Jonathan Schaefer. They've all been to Victory Lane with this series this year. And then talk about some NASCAR Truck Series race winner, Corey Heim, Xfinity Series competitor, Stephen Parsons, uh, Mike Looney, as well as four-time Cars Pro Late Model Tour race winner, William Solich, uh, are all in entries into the field. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, and even for the Oxford 250, um, like I said, it's the 49th annual, 70 entries are filed for that race as well. So there's some big racing uh, taking place. And I love to see these. I, I just went through one myself, ones that are on the multi-annual. You, you saw the entry list, 70 cars. I mean, that tells you how important it is, how tough it is to get into that event, um, let alone win it. So look for some great racing and some names to be made there if you don't already know them. Yeah, I've got the entry list there. I was just going through it to see if there's any NASCAR names on here. People will recognize Bubba Pollard. He is uh, definitely a late model uh, racing star. He's on the entry list. Uh, I'm only about halfway through it, so give me a few minutes here to see if I recognize any of the other names on this list. Uh, There are just so many people, uh, and I'm sure a lot of these people are very uh, well-known, and I just may not be familiar with their names. Uh, Jimmy Hibbert, uh, I know he's a big name. Uh, he's going to be on this. He is on this list, and he'll be on the track. Uh, but those are the ones that kind of stand out for me. I don't know if you've got the entry list for the Oxford 250 or not, but um, there's quite a few names on here. Like I say, 70 entries already. I don't have the list, but you, you mentioned Bubba Pollard, and if you're any kind of race fan, uh, regional or not, you know the name Bubba Pollard uh, for sure. Uh, he has raced multiple different uh, events. I know a big one on his list is the Snowball Derby there at Six Flags. But, yeah, he is one of these that you definitely are going to see on these big 49th annual. I mean, that's huge. Like I said, you're coming up on the 50-year mark. That's how important it is. 70 entries already. Uh, that just tells you you're facing the best of the best. Yep, that race will be on Sunday, August the 28th, and you can check it out. I think it's a pay-per-view event over at Racing America, but, uh, you know, check out the updates. Uh, so, and there's going to be racing all weekend long leading up to the marquee event, including the past Modifieds, the American Canadian Tour, the Modified Racing Series, and New England Super Modified Series, and many of Oxford Plains. Uh, local divisions, so uh, this is going to be a really fun race. Uh, I can't wait to see what the results are. Uh, let's and that's, a, that's the last thing I, I'd like to add to that real quick is oh, okay, you mentioned sure. the several other classes that, that are running with that. Of It's not just the one race. It is an event for the weekend, and, and these other yes. classes are well worth the money to watch, I promise. And there's an article over at uh, Racing America that gives you the five storylines to watch at this year's Oxford 250. So if you're wondering uh, who to keep an eye on and who the stars are of this, Bubba Pollard, of course, is mentioned here. Uh, these these are uh, 
this is a good place to go to to know what to look for when you're watching that race. Um, we're going to run over to uh, Flow Racing because we're going to run out of time here real quick. Uh, there is just a plethora, uh, I think we used that word the other day, of racing that's taking place at Flow Racing as well. And they do have a schedule, and it will take you, uh, you know, all the way through the weekend with all of the local uh, racing for the weekly touring series in NASCAR, USAC Racing, the Tezos All-Star Cha- Circuit of Champions, uh, just all kinds of racing that's taking place uh, this weekend. We're running out of time to get to all of it, but uh, it's going to be another big weekend of racing uh, over at Flow Racing as well. And uh, there is no shortage of races to watch, uh, either at Racing America or at uh, Flow Racing. Most certainly not. You almost have have to have a separate schedule just for that to keep up with that. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but it's, it's really cool to be able to watch uh, races that we weren't able to watch before. Can you still hear me, Jay? Okay, we're going to move over to the Arkham Menard Series. They are racing this weekend up at the Milwaukee Mile. And what's cool about this race is there's really three different series that are racing within the Arkham Menard Series, all racing for points. So you've got the main series, the Arkham Menard Series. You've got Arca East drivers that will be racing for points this weekend. And the Sioux Chief Showdown <laughs> Uh, drivers are going to be racing for points this weekend as well. So uh, there's some crossover here. Some of those drivers will be racing for points in in a couple of those series. Uh, It's it's going to be exciting. The Sprecher 150 at the Milwaukee Mile will take place Sunday, August the 28th, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. It will be available on MAV-TV and Flow Racing, as well as ARCAracing.com for the radio coverage. It's a one-mile asphalt oval. They'll be racing 150 laps. Uh, They'll have practice at 9 to 9.45 a.m. Central, qualifying from 12 to 12.20 Central, and the race at 2 p.m. Central. So, uh, again, you'll be able to watch the live streaming of this race if you are a member of MAV-TV or Flow Racing, uh, but there's a lot to watch for in this event. There certainly are, and it's based on, like you said, particular drivers, but then also the serious points battles, as it is three different points battles. The East and the Sioux Chief Showdown, a little bit similar, but the Arca Main, Arca Menard Series, totally mixes that up and i think we're going to see all three of them kind of get shuffled up this weekend with this event yep this is round eight to the sioux chief showdown uh again this is a legendary one mile oval asphalt oval located in west Allis, wisconsin and it's played host to 11 arkham menard series races dating back to 1958 when my favorite fred lorenzen scored his first arkham menard series victory other arca Winners at the Milwaukee Mile through the years include Tony Bettenhausen, Roger Ward, Dean Roper, Dave Weltmeyer, Frank Kimmel, a lot of people know that name, Phil Bozell, and, of course, Ty Gibbs is the most recent. So uh, let's talk about what's happening in this series this weekend. All right. For the Arkham Menard Series, uh, when you look at the point standings, the, the – 
biggest point lead I think we've seen all year. Nick Sanchez is now 13 points ahead of Daniel Dye, who's moved into second at 13 back from Nick Sanchez. And then another four points back is Rajah Karu. And those three are having very spectacular seasons. Having a good season. Greg Van Alst has moved into the fourth spot. He is 103 points back from the main uh, Arkham Menards points lead with six races left. And he's trying to hold off Tony Breidinger in the uh, fifth spot. They're separated by seven points. So that tells you there's still battles within. The top three have been kind of dominant. We saw, uh, I think, nine points was the biggest lead we had seen all year. Um, those three really mixing it up. Uh, meanwhile, in the East Series, you got Sammy Smith. He enters the Specker 150 with a 27-point lead on Taylor Gray. And Sunday's race at the Milwaukee Mile is the sixth of seven races on the East Series schedule, uh, leaving Gray just two races to cut into Sim- Sammy Smith's advantage. Uh, so all five drivers are among 27 competitors in this Sunday's race. Uh, and joining them are a number of contenders and rising stars, including Jake Finch. He's set for a second Arkham Series start this year. Landon Pembleton, uh, he's the 2021 winner of the Valley Star Credit Union 300 late model stock car race at Martinsville Speedway. He returns to Venturini Motorsports for his second start. And then there's Jesse Love, fresh off his victory at the Springfield Mile at the Illinois State Fairgrounds last Sunday. He's looking for a second straight Arkham Menard Series victory aboard the number 20 Toyota for Venturini Motorsports. But there's six women on this entry list, too. Let me see if I got the full entry list. I know you had sent me that. Um, whoops. Well, I'm, I'm that... looking at the pit box right now, Jay. Oh, Okay. Uh, sorry, let me jump over there so then. I'll go um, ahead and say those those uh, competitors are Amber Balkin, Tony Breidinger. Uh, they join Amber Slagle, Rita Thomason, Mandy Chick, and Stephanie Moyer. I can't remember seeing that many women in an event. Can you? No, we got three or four that are regulars on the series for the Arkham Menard series. Uh, two of them have made recent starts, uh, and I, should, I want to give the shout-out to Rita Thomason. Um, comes from McCalla, Alabama, just outside Birmingham. Uh, I talked to my son there. She is a, sher- a part of the sheriff's department there in racing. So uh, I know we see that with Jesse Love serving the Navy. She serves, serves the sheriff's department. Yes, indeed. Then there's also Matt Gould a uh, winner in the late model stock car competition this year at North Carolina's Hickory Motor Speedway. He's making his Arkham Menard Series debut. He'll be in the number 40 Chevrolet for team owner Al Neese. And veteran Brad Smith is slated to make his 400th Arkham Menard Series start this Sunday. Uh, Also scheduled to compete are Christian Rose, Leland Honeyman, uh, Greg Van Alst, among many others. And uh, I know you had the entry list up there. Uh, 27 people on this list. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, we've still got time. Let's go ahead and go from the bottom up here. All right. Starting down at the bottom, I'll hit the ones we haven't mentioned. The 06 uh, Wayne Peterson Chevrolet will be Tim Richmond and Alex Club in his own racing Ford, the number 03 coming out of Morris, Illinois. 
We mentioned Leland Honeyman. He'll be in the number two Chevrolet for Tyler Young and Andrew Abbott on top of the pit box. And Stephanie Moyer, we've also mentioned, uh, she's driving the Hillenburg Toyota with Dallas Brew on the uh, pit box. And Mandy Chick, she comes out of DeSoto, Kansas. Uh, looks like a cell phone team. Steve Chick listed as the owner and crew chief for the number 74 Toyota. The number 66, Ron Vandemeyer Jr. Toyota, uh, comes out of Sheridan, Illinois. Yeah, we had, uh, I'm trying to think of her name. I want to say Dominique Vandermeer uh, was on our show uh, a while back when she was racing. I wonder if they're related. Uh, Brad Smith uh, is driving his familiar number 48 Chevrolet for his own team with Jeff Smith on the pit box. And Mike Goody uh, will be driving the number 44 for McClure Racing, Jeff McClure as the uh, owner and crew chief. Daniel Dye and Chad Bryant, uh, driver-crew chief combination, has been extremely strong at number 43, becomeadeputy.com GMS Chevrolet this weekend. And then the number 42, Christian Rose, we mentioned, Martinsburg, West Virginia driver, and the uh, Bruce Cook-owned Toyota. And the number 40 will be Matthew Gould, uh, he uh, will drive the Worldwide Express Chevrolet for Al Nice, and Phil Gould will be on top of the pit box. Uh, one of our favorites, Greg Van Oltz in the number 35 from CB Fabricating. He'll be driving the Ford uh, for his own team with Jim Long on the pit box. Give you a little more information on the pair of the females, Rita Thomason in the number 31 driving a Chevrolet for Tim Goulet, who's also crew chief in. And then Mark Rett uh, for the Ford number 30 icon for Winnipeg, Manitoba's uh, Amber Balkin. Then Tony Breidinger will be in that familiar number 25 for Venturini Motorsports Toyota. Uh, Kevin Reed will be on top of the pit box. Amber Slagle will be in the 24 uh, Chevrolet for Steve McGowan with Sean Samuels on top of the pit box. Mentioned Jesse Love. He'll be in a Yahoo-sponsored Toyota for Venturini. Shannon Rush is the crew chief for that number 20. And then Sammy Smith, uh, looking to continue his dominance, comes out of Johnston, Iowa, in the number 18 for Kyle Busch. Mark McFarland, the crew chief there. Taylor Gray, hoping to make up some ground this weekend, driving the uh, number 17 Ford for David Gilliland with Chad Jack. Tad Johnston on top of the pit box. And then Landon Pembleton from Amelia, Virginia, will be driving a Venturini Toyota with Kevin Reed on his pit box. Moving up the list, the number 12, Zachary Tinkle, comes out of Speedway, Indiana. He'll be in a Hillenburg Ford, a crew chief by Dick Dehaney. And then Mike Schroof has the Toyota Hillenburg machine with Bryce Haugberg in it uh, comes out of West Fargo, North Dakota. Driving the familiar number 10 is Tim Monroe. He'll be driving an Andy Hillenburg Toyota, and Tim Monroe is listed as the crew chief, so he'll be crew chiefing himself. Eric Caudell will be in the number 7 Chevrolet for his own race team, and Jeremy Petty is the crew chief. Then we got the two Rev Racing Championship contenders. The number six Chevrolet is Rajah Karuth, comes from Washington, D.C. 
got Brad Manza with him. And paired with Nick Sanchez in the number two is Matt Boucher. Uh, comes out of Miami, Florida. And then Jake Finch will be in the number one car uh, for Phoenix Construction, uh, owned by James Finch. Johnny Allen is the crew chief. And in the number zero is Nate Moeller. Uh, Mueller. Uh, he'll be driving the uh, Wayne Peterson Toyota, and he, too, will be crew chiefing himself. <laughs> so there you have it for the Arkham Menard Series, the Arca East, and the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, entry list, 27 drivers on that entry list. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move to now to the um, Arca West. They are not racing this weekend, but they will be back on the track uh, fairly soon here, I think. Yeah, September the 3rd at 5 p.m. Pacific time. That would be 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they'll be driving the road course at Portland International Raceway, uh, the Portland 100, and that will be available on Flow Racing. So uh, they uh, have a big weekend coming up next weekend. Uh, out at Portland, so uh, that should be a fun one to watch. Uh, as far as the uh, points in the West, Jay, you got we, know, we, had Tanner, to... we had Tanner Rife on the show earlier this week. He's one of the contenders. He is. Uh, Jake Drew is trying to take full control of the series. He's got three wins in seven races, but Tanner Rife has picked up two victories now. Is 44 back. And he kind of leads a little bit of a pack. Cole Moore still in it at minus 46. And then Todd Souza at minus 54. Uh, fifth place, Joey East is at minus 74. And then rounding out the 10, you got Takuma Koga, Bridget Burgess, Paul Pedronacilli Jr., Austin Herzog, and Paul Pedronacilli. So uh, still some race, a little bit of racing to go there for the West Series. Uh, Jake Drew right now in the driver's seat, but... One race can really put a hurt on that. Yes, indeed. So that's definitely going to be one to watch next week. Uh, Jake Drew and Tanner Reif, what's really cool about that is they are both Sunrise uh, Racing drivers. And uh, to be 1-2, they finished the race last week, it was 1-2. They're 1-2 and two in the uh, series point standings as well. So this is, this is kind of a big year for Sunrise Racing. And we've seen that back and forth. I know McAnally uh, racing a big team there in the West Series. Uh, got Cole Moore in third spot, but that's always kind of a battle, too, between those two. And right now, give the advantage to Sunrise Racing. Yes, indeed. Now, there's also the Camping World Truck Series. They're not racing this weekend. Uh, they will be back on track next week, Friday, September the 9th. That might be two weeks. I'm not sure. Um, the Kansas Lottery 200 at 7:30 Eastern, uh, and uh, we'll get more into the details there. But we have a couple of little updates here that we want to make sure we mention to you. One is the uh, owner updates. Playoff. Yeah, updates. we'll start with KBM Motors. KBM Motorsports number 18 picked up the win at Richmond. They're the only team locked into the round of eight. So some other teams um, will have to sort it out. Uh, number 38 Ford team uh, front row is up uh, 36, nope, 46 points. And at the other end, looking to 
not yet eliminated is Nice Motorsports number 42 as they're in the eighth final transfer spot, the number 17 for DGR Racing. Okay, then we've got the Snoko Rookie of the Year update. Cowbush Motorsports' Corey Heim uh, is at the top of that list uh, for the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings. He's uh, posting his third straight top ten Top five finish and fifth overall on the season at Richmond Raceway. Uh, and now he has that 87-point lead on second-place rookie Lawless Allen from Nice Motorsports. Uh, he's Himes only been in 11 of the 18 scheduled races this year, and uh, he has been the top of the rookie standings, uh, putting up two wins at Atlanta and Gateway, five top fives and six top tens. So besides Corey Heim at 335 points, there's Lawless Allen at 248. Uh, behind them are Dean Thompson, uh, Jack Wood, and Blaine Perkins. So uh, those guys uh, are looking forward to the race this weekend, I'm sure, at Kansas Speedway for sure. We'll get into the clinch scenarios next week, uh, but let's talk about the uh, stats uh, points to uh, the Camping World Truck Series season being one of the best. Well, again, we got two more off weekends until that next uh, Camping World Truck Series returns to action at Kansas. It's the playoffs round of eight, the final race of that. Um, but when we look at how the competition has fared this year, through 18 races, the Truck Series season, they're tied with the 2012 season for the series' most different winners with 13 each. And those winners include Chandler Smith has three. Zane Smith also has three. You mentioned Corey Heim has a pair. Ben Rhodes, Grant Infinger, John Hunter Nemechek, Kyle Busch, Parker Kligerman, Ross Chastain, Ryan Priest, Stuart Friesen, Todd Dillon, and William Byron have all picked up one. So they've produced 6.17 lead changes per race, which is the ninth most through 18 races. And that's since the inception uh, in 1995. It's also produced 10.94 average lead changes, which is the most, fifth most through 18 races since 1995. We've also had a total of 319 green flag passes for the lead through these races, the eighth most since the loop data stat was originally tabulated. And that started in 2007. And it's an average of 17.7 green flag flag passes for the lead per race. Uh, That is uh, also a record through 18 races in the truck series at 436. And that was set in 2018. Uh, Some other stats we got to look at. 25,401 green flag passes through the field is the third most uh, since leak data started average of 1,411 per race. The record is 18, in 18 races is 27,000. That was set back in 2013. And the final one, the passing has been top-notch, and so have the finishes. The 18 races have produced an average margin of victory of 0.916 seconds. That's the fifth closest margin of victory since 1995, ninth through 18, 18 races. Uh, with a margin of victory less than a second. In total, 11 of the 18 races with a margin of victory less than a second. And on top of all that, 
the 2022 season is the second highest percentage of trucks running at the finish all time with 83.90%, which is second only to the 2006 season that had 88.27%. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, So (laughs) that's some pretty cool stats. Uh, And it has been a really good season in the Camping World Truck Series this year. But we're going to move on now to the Xfinity Series. They are racing this weekend out at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, They still have, I believe, four races left before their season ends, regular season ends. Uh, But this one is going to be a big one. The Wawa 250 powered by Coca-Cola at Daytona on Friday, August the 26th. Two night races this weekend. Uh, the race should start sometime around 7.30. The purse, $1,756,567. Should, uh, it will be televised on USA starting at 7 p.m. along with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM Channel 90. They'll be racing 100 laps to cover a distance of 250 miles. The first two stages are for 30 laps apiece. Stage 1 ends on lap 30, stage 2 on lap 60, and then the final stage is 40 laps, ending on lap 100. So what do we have here for the Xfinity Series, Jay? Well, I know it's uh, stereotypical. There's uh, obviously a lot more going on now, but for a father-son activity, we got a father-son duo in Daytona. As we got Joe and John Hunter Nemechek, they'll be competing against each other this weekend, not only as father and son, but also as teammate as they both join Sam Hunt Racing. Uh, Joe will be in the number 24 Toyota, John Hunter in the number 26. Now, this will not be the first time they've competed against each other, though. They first lined up on the grid together in 2017 in the Camping World Truck Series at Daytona. Since then, they have run three cup races, 13 Xfinity races, and 29 truck races against each other. However, the last time they competed as teammates, that was in 2019 at Phoenix Raceway. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Uh, also racing in the Xfinity Series this weekend is uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's joining Big Machine Racing at Daytona. He's normally a NASCAR Cup Series regular and two-time Xfinity Series champion in 11 and 12. Uh, he's going to kick off a double-duty weekend with Big Machine Racing in the number 48 Chevrolet in the Xfinity Series race. Uh, and it will be a second Xfinity start this season. He's yet to post any win at Daytona in the Xfinity Series. His last stint at the 2.5-mile track uh, was in 2012 when he started the race in first and finished runner-up. So we're hoping he can do a little bit better job this weekend and finish one position better. And when she says we, that's her, because she picked him right off the gate. One of the first couple picks there in our fantasy pick, so I'm sure she's pulling for him. Uh, Some other drivers, though, doing double duty. Four Xfinity Series regulars will be getting extra track time this weekend. Ty Gibbs, Noah Gregson, Landon Castle, and Daniel Hemrick. Joe Gibbs Racing, Ty Gibbs has had to unexpectedly step in for Kurt Busch earlier this season. And he will continue to pilot in the number 45 Toyota through Daytona. I think that's been extended a little bit. We'll get to that in hot topics. Mm-hmm. Um, although this will be his first, first Cup Series start at the track, he has posted one Xfinity Series start at Daytona in 2022, where he finished 11th. 
And Noah Gregson, he's already punched his ticket to the NASCAR Cup Series in 2023. So some extra time getting a feel for the next-gen car doesn't hurt. He'll be driving the number 62 Beard Motorsports Chevrolet for his second Cup Series Daytona start. Landon Castle, he'll be making his 18th Cup Series start. He'll be in the number 77 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet this weekend. His best finish at the 2.5-mile track was 11th in the 2019 summer race. And Daniel Hamrick, he'll be making his fourth Cup Series start at Daytona. He'll be in the number 16 College Racing Chevrolet. His best finish was 12th earlier this season. Okay, it's crunch time in the Xfinity Series. Uh, They still have uh, those four races uh, left, but they're... uh, they're pushing the limits at Daytona for one of five remaining spots in this 12-driver field. Uh, we're going to look at the clinch scenarios here. There's seven drivers that have already punched their ticket, including A.J. Allmendinger, Ty Gibbs, Justin Algauer, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, Austin Hill, and Brandon Jones. Now, Riley Earp, Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick, Landon Castle, Ryan Sieg, and Sheldon Creed can clinch if they win this weekend. Uh, these drivers uh, can clinch with a win as well. That's Anthony Alfredo and Brandon Brown, but they're going to need points to go along with that uh, to keep them up there. Uh, for the drivers that can clinch on a win alone, uh, let's look at how they've done at Daytona. Riley Earps has posted two top fives, three top tens, and six starts. Mayer, he has two starts with a best finish of 12th in this race last season. Daniel Hemrick has one top five, three top tens in eight starts. Landon Castles made ten starts with one top five and one top ten. And Sheldon Creed has made two starts with a best finish of sixth earlier this season. So those are the drivers to watch this weekend. But there's one other driver you want to keep your eye on, at least one other. I was going to say, yeah, this one is a big weekend for them. It is a open race, but it's not their final one, so a little bit different. But Austin Hill, he's looking for the 2022 sweep at Daytona. As Richard Childress Racing's uh, Austin Hill hoped to kick off his first full-time season in the Xfinity Series with a bang, and that he did. In his second-ever NASCAR Xfinity Series start at Daytona International Speedway, Hill snatched the win away from veteran A.J. Allmendinger, who finished in the runner-up position, and that was followed by Noah Gregston in third, mentioned Riley Herbst in fourth, and then Justin Algar rounding out the top five. But Hill wasn't done touting his super speedway prowess, as the Georgia native went on to win again at the second Atlanta Motor Speedway race of the season back in July. So with the two wins, nine top fives, and 14 top tens racked up this season thus far, the rookie Hill looked to join NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt Jr. and become just the second driver all-time to sweep both the NASCAR Xfinity Series races at Daytona in a single season. Now prior to Watkins Glen, Hill was on an eight-week streak that consisted of one win, four top fives, and eight top tens. He'll definitely have his work to cut out for him, though, as a couple of previous Daytona winners are entered into this Friday's Wave, I'm sorry, Wawa 250, powered by Coca-Cola. we got Justin Haley, who won in 2020 and 21. He'll be making his first Xfinity start to the 2022 season. 
in the number 14 Chevrolet with College Racing. And then mentioned veteran Joe Nemechek. He won in 1998 and 2002, as well as junior motorsports Noah Gregson, who won in 2020. Okay, for those drivers that need a win, Daytona might just be the place. In the 61 Xfinity Series races at Daytona, eight have granted drivers their first career win, with just four races left in the 20, and with just four races left in this regular season for the series. Several drivers entered this weekend would like to add their name to that winner's column. NASCAR Hall of Famers Dale Earnhardt uh, won his first race there in '82. Tony Stewart in 2005, and they're joined by Chad Little uh, in. 95, James Busher in 20, That's is that right? James Busher won in 2021. Uh, that year is wrong. I think that year is wrong, too. That might be 2012. Uh, Ryan yeah, Reed in 2015, so. Michael Lynette in 2019, Noah Gregson 2020, Austin Hill last year, or earlier this year, I should say, and these eight competitors that earned their first career victory at Daytona. Now, this weekend, 27 of the 43 drivers entered are looking for their first NASCAR, or NASCAR Xfinity Series career win, and uh, you got to wonder who's going to be next, because it could happen. It certainly could. And when we look overall, though, uh, at um, Daytona International Speedway, it'll be Friday night under the light. Mentioned uh, just four races remaining in the NASCAR Xfinity Series regular season. We got Daytona, then Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol. And a lot can happen to shake up those standings as the 2022 season winds down. We got after a weekend of road course racing at Watkins Glen International uh, Speedway, the Xfinity Series returns to the World Center of Racing, which is Daytona International Speedway, for the Wawa 250 powered by Coca-Cola. That'll be Friday night under the lights, starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, we've already the mentioned weekend that. Marks, the, the weekend marks the second time the Xfinity Series has competed at Daytona International Speedway this season. Talked about the last time a competitors battled it out in Daytona was in February for that season opener, and that's where Richard Childress Racing's rookie Austin Hill took that checkered flag. The iconic track has produced 35 different race winners and 42 different pole winners in 61 Xfinity Series races. Yet veteran Joe Nemechek leads the Xfinity Series in poles at Daytona with four. He did in 2001, two, and then swept in 2005. And seven of the 42 Xfinity Series pole winners are active this weekend. Mentioned NASCAR Hall of Famers, Dale Earnhardt, Tony Stewart. They're tied with the series' most Xfinity wins at Daytona with seven each. And only four of the 35 different Xfinity winners are active this weekend at Daytona. Joe Nemechek with the two wins in 98 and 02. Justin Haley also has two in 2020 and 21. Gregson got his in 2020. And Austin Hill in 2022. Now, Haley is looking to become the first driver to win three consecutive Xfinity Summer Daytona races since the series started coming to the 2.5-mile track twice a year back in 20, or 2002. Five of the Xfinity uh, Daytona races 
have been won for the pole or first starting position. Most recently, that was done by uh, Austin Sindrick in the 2021 season opener. William Byron currently sits as the track's youngest Xfinity winner. See, he accomplished in 2017 at 19 years old, six months and one day. While Bobby Allison, he has on the other end the oldest winner at 50 years, two months, and 10 days. Now, the Xfinity Series will be skipping practice this weekend. They'll dive straight into qualifying. That'll be Friday afternoon at 3.05 p.m. Eastern Time on USA Network. Okay. Now we're going to go ahead and move on to the Cup Series. I know we're a little ahead of schedule, but we're going to need that extra time. Okay. So the Cup Series is also racing this week, the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona on Saturday, the 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, It will be televised uh, starting on 7 p.m. on NBC and radio coverage MRN and Sirius XM Channel 90. They'll be racing a distance of 400 miles over 160 laps. Uh, The first stage ends on lap 35, stage 2 ends on lap 95, and the final stage ends on lap 160. We've got a lot to cover here uh, in the Cup Series, so we'll have to kind of give the Reader's Digest version, Jay. Well, the first one would be a spoiler alert. There's a lot of competitors vying for the first, vying for the playoffs and running for points and wins in the Cup Series Championship. Five are entered in the Coke Zero Sugar 400, not running for the title and just looking for that win. Mentioned Daniel Hamrick in the number 16 Collard Racing Chevrolet, Ty Gibbs in the number 45 2311 Racing Toyota, Noah Gregson in the 62 Beard Motorsport Chevrolet, Landon Castle in the number 77 Spire Motorsports, and then B.J. McLeod in the number 78 Live Fast Motorsports Ford. Yeah, any one of those drivers could certainly be a spoiler this weekend. Uh, better than Ezra to perform in the pre-race concert at, uh, at uh, Daytona. He's a multi-platinum rock band, better than Ezra. Uh, they're going to perform the pre-race concert at Daytona before uh, the race. The New Orleans-based group will take the stage at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll be right there on Pitt Road for the concert, and it's just one of many pre-race activities available for fans over the weekend. In 2018, Better Than Ezra was named Billboard's 100's Greatest Alternative Artist of All Time, as well as earning a spot on Billboard's 100's Greatest Alternative Songs of All Time with their hit song, Good. Between pre-race festivities and the action-packed competition, the upcoming weekend at the World Center of Racing is slated to be a fantastic event. Uh, so you've got a lot to look forward to uh, with the pre-race activities there at Daytona this weekend. And this next one is yeah. big news. It is, and it'll be more so covered more so here uh, coming up on Hot Topics, but Kurt Busch and the 2311 have waived their playoff exemption um, in the 22 NASCAR Cup Series playoff, giving up his position in the postseason. Uh, with Bush no longer participating now in the playoffs, that changes things. There's two postseason spots up for grabs this weekend at Daytona International Speedway, currently occupied by Ryan Blaney in 15th and Martin Truex in 16th based on points. 
So the 2311 uh, will compete in the owner's playoffs this season as Ty Gibbs will continue to wheel the machine at Daytona. I don't know about beyond then if they've announced that, but it expected to continue with uh, Ty Gibbs. If the Toyota team were to win the owner's title, it'd just be the third time in series history that there's a split between driver and owner championship since 1963. The first time was in 1954 when Lee Petty won the driver's championship, um, driving a Petty Enterprises Chrysler, but Herb Thomas took home the owner's championship after his 92 Hudson team finished the season with 12 victories. The only other two times uh, we saw a split was in 63. Joe Weatherly won the driver's championship, but Wood Brothers organization uh, won the owner's championship. And then Weatherly's uh, strong season, uh, putting up three wins and 35 top tens and 54 starts. But the number 21, famous number 21, picked up five wins on the season and took the owner's title. So that could certainly happen again this weekend. Uh, who are the Daytona Dominators, the best of the best at the World Center of Racing, uh, winning at NASCAR's most pre- prestigious track at Daytona International Speedway is a major accomplishment, so it's not at all surprising that the top ten series winningest drivers at Daytona are all in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, including Richard Petty with ten wins, Cale Yarborough with eight, nine, David Pearson has eight, Fireball Roberts with seven, uh, and then Bobby Allison and Jeff Gordon both have six, uh, Bill Elliott, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Dale Jarrett, Jr. Johnson, and Tony Stewart all have four. And those race totals, I think all of them are split between the Daytona 500 wins and the summer race wins, uh, but Jr. Johnson uh, got all of his wins at Daytona 500, and Tony Stewart got all of his wins at the summer race. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, this weekend, the Cup Series will have 16 former Daytona winters entered, led by Denny Hamlin, who has three wins. The most recent at, uh, the most recent winner at Daytona is entered this weekend. That's the rookie Austin Sindrick. He won the Daytona 500 earlier this year. He also heads into the weekend looking to become the sixth different winner in the Cup Series history to sweep both Daytona races. So in a single they could, he could do it in this single season. He would join Fireball Roberts, uh, Cale Yarborough, Leroy Yarborough, uh, Bobby Allison, and Jimmy Johnson if he pulls off that feat. Since the win-and-you're-in format was initiated in the playoffs in 2016, Eric Jones' 2018 summer race win and William Byron's summer win last season are the only two summer race victories at Daytona to clinch a driver into the postseason. The other three winners were either not eligible for the playoffs due to not competing for the championship in the series, Haley in 19, or the drivers had previously won on the same season, Keselowski in 16 and Stenhouse in 17. So uh, just some notes there about the dominators at Daytona. It'll be interesting to see which side of that we have somebody. If a new winner comes in, they fall on. But one, mm-hmm. we got to look at what's happening here. I know he's already clinched it. Hendrick Motorsports and Chase Elliott have won the 2022 regular season championship. 
After last weekend at the Watkins Glen International, the HMS driver and the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion, Chase Elliott, coming from Dawsonville, Georgia, became the fifth different driver to win the regular season championship, which was presented by Coca-Cola. He joined Kyle Larson in 2021, Kevin Harvick in 2020, Kyle Busch in 18 and 19, and then Martin Truex in 17. With that regular season championship, Elliott will not only take home the trophy and the prestige, but also 15 bonus playoff points. He currently leads the playoff points this season with 25, and with the addition of the bonus 15, he's looking to enter the postseason with at least 40 playoff points. Could be more based on this weekend. Now, this season marks the seventh time Elliott has earned a spot in the Cup Series playoffs. In 25 starts this year, he's picked up a series-leading four wins, five stage wins, 10 top fives, and 17 top tens. Looking ahead to the season finale at Daytona, Elliott is looking for his first win on the iconic high-bank track. In 13 series starts at Daytona, he's put up two top fives and four top tens. Okay, first-time winners are plenty at the World Center of Racing. One thing Daytona is known for is unpredictable finishes that on occasion produce a first-time winner in the Cup Series. In fact, three of the last four Cup Series summer races at Daytona have fashioned just that, first-time winners. A total of 23 different winners have posted their first Cup Series win uh, at the track, 11 of the 23 divers posted their first win in the summer races. Uh, the most recent first-time winner at Daytona was back in February when Team Penske's Austin Sindrick became the first rookie to win the Daytona 500 season opener. The most recent first-time winner in the summer race at Daytona was the August race of 2020 with the race winner William Byron earning the, his spot into the playoffs. So other first-time winners, I won't get into their age or starting spots, but other first-time winners uh, at Daytona, in addition to Austin Sendrick, are Michael McDowell, William Byron, Justin Haley, Eric Jones, Eric Almarola, David Reagan, Trevor Bain, Greg Biffle, Michael Waltrip, John Andretti, Jimmy Spencer, Sterling Marlin, Derek Cope, Greg Sachs, Pete Hamilton, Mario Andretti, Sam McQuaig, Earl Balmer, A.J. Foyt, Bobby Isaac, Tiny Lund, and Johnny Rutherford. So those date all the way back to 1963, uh, which is pretty cool. It is, and it's going to be really interesting, and that's what sets this up. Daytona International Speedway, the perfect stage for this regular season finale. And all eyes will be on the World Center racing this weekend. The iconic uh, Hollow Grounds hosts that season finale, the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Daytona is a 2.5-mile paved super speedway located in Daytona Beach, Florida, has hosted 150 Cup Series races since the inaugural in 1959. 64 have been 500 miles, 59 of them were 400 miles, and four were 250 miles. There's also 23 qualifier races that were uh, points races, but this weekend marches the third time this summer race will be the NASCAR Cup Series regular season finale, as that started in 2020. The 150 races at the historic 
Speedway. I've produced 63 different pole winners and 69 different race winners. Mentioned Kale Yarbo leads the series in poles at Daytona with 12. Eight of the 12 poles are from the summer race, which is also the series most for that event. Nine of the 63 Cup Series Daytona pole winners are active this weekend, but have only, only three have won poles at the summer race. Uh, Chase Elliott did in 2018, Kyle Busch in 13, and Kevin Harvick in 2002. Alex Bowman also has two. And then Kyle Larson, Ricky Stenhouse, as mentioned Byron, Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, and Kevin Harvick all have one. And the Hall of Famer, Richard Petty, he, uh, he is Daytona, if you will. He leads the Cup Series and wins at Daytona with 10 victories. Uh, Denny Hamlin from Joe Gibbs Racing uh, leads all the active drivers at Daytona with three. And of the 69 series, Cup Series Daytona winners, 41 of them have won the summer race, which is 59.4%. Hall of Famer for NASCAR, David Pearson, leads the summer race's victories with five wins. A total of 15 uh, Daytona winners are active this weekend, 10 of those 15 having won the summer event at Daytona. Eight of the 15, however, need a win this weekend to secure that spot in the playoffs. Uh, Denny Hamlin has three, Kevin Harvick two, Austin Sindrick on down here, Austin Sindrick. Ryan Blaney has one, needs the win. Uh, might get in a point, though. Michael McDowell needs the win. William Byron, Justin Haley, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, and Ricky Stenhouse all need to pick up their second one. Kurt Busch, we mentioned, is no longer uh, in play. Brad Keselowski needs the win. Joey Logano, Eric Salmarola needs a win. And then David Reagan and Kyle Busch. Those all have one, but uh, the bolded ones there... I highlighted need it to get in. Okay. You want me to move up to the next section? Yeah, I can go ahead and do it since you did this section. Okay. Okay. Next, we've got the clinch scenarios, two spots, and there's one last chance, and that's Daytona International Speedway this weekend. And uh, for those drivers who have not clinched a spot in the playoffs to earn their spot, uh, there's actually 14 drivers that have already clinched their spot, leaving just two spots open uh, for drivers to battle it out on Saturday night. Those that have already clinched uh, include Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Daniel Suarez, Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin, Austin Sindrick, and Chase Briscoe. Now, if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance into the playoffs this weekend at Daytona, uh, these drivers can clinch by being ahead of the third winless driver in the standings. Uh, the same point requirement holds uh, if a new win comes from Ryan Blaney or Martin Truex. Um, Ryan Blaney can clinch regardless of his finish. Uh, Martin Truex can also clinch regardless of his finish. Uh, but they both have to have good days. If there's a new winner from Eric Jones or another winless driver lower in the standings but still eligible to advance to the playoffs, these drivers can clinch by being ahead of the second winless driver in the standings. Uh, Ryan Blaney can clinch with 31 points, but Martin Truex is probably going to need a win. Uh, Now, these drivers can clinch on their win alone, 
uh, Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex, Eric Jones, Eric Amarola, Austin Dillon, Bubba Wallace, Busher, Justin Haley, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Cole Custer, Brad Keselowski, Harrison Burton, Ty Dillon, and Todd Gilliland. Now, these drivers have an average finish that range anywhere from the best I see here is 10.7, which is uh, Justin Haley, all the way up to the highest I see here is Harrison Burton at 39.0. So uh, really an interesting scenario there. Uh, the, those drivers are all below the cut line. Uh, Kurt Busch has waived his eligibility, which moves Martin Truex into above the cut line. Uh, Ryan Blaney is just 25 points up on uh, Martin Truex Jr. heading into the finale, um, and that's going to be important because those final two playoff spots are going to be settled this weekend. Uh, Truex wants to make the playoffs for the 10th time in his career, uh, but Blaney is playing it cool uh, this weekend. Uh, he said he's going to be happy with uh, – he's not going to stress about it. He's going to be happy – if he does or doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, Blaney is attempting to make the postseason for the sixth time in his career. Uh, He is also looking to become the sixth driver in history to win consecutive summer races at Daytona, Uh, again joining Fireball Roberts, Cale Yarborough, David Pearson, and Tony Stewart. Truex, on the other hand, is looking for his first win on a super speedway since joining the NASCAR Cup Series. In 34 Daytona starts, he's put up 30, he's put up three top fives, five top tens, and he's finished runner-up in this race in 2018. Uh, so he wants to uh, break through with a win this weekend. Well, and it definitely did change the way we look at things. Uh, got some stats here on previous uh, Cup Series finales. Uh, there's big implications for this finale at Daytona, especially with Kurt Busch's announcement. To it. I think. So that was part of it. Oh, yep. Okay. That was part of that. Um, the pressure mentioning, uh, talking about Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex, that's kind of where the focus has been. A lot of things leading in Blaney's favor. Uh, he no longer has to win to protect his spot. He can, if a new winner comes in, still outpoint Martin Truex. So, Things playing into Blaney's favor and looking at Truex's stats, I know he's never won on the super speedway. Uh, not so good on his end. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we'll talk about some of those big implications when we get into our hot topics, which is going to start here in about a minute or so. Uh, so you're right, we didn't cover that yet, but I'm sure we are going to uh, talk a little bit about those big implications when we get into our hot topic sound off. Yeah, uh, it definitely changes some And just the Kurt Busch situation That also impacts a lot of other things We've talked about So uh, that might be the main one uh, Sharon, you might have to do your announcement early again (laughs) It's possible Uh, Although I think we had uh, A lot of people up on the soapbox This last uh, Monday I don't know if we're going to have that again This week, but or tonight, but uh, it was a fun conversation, and I'm looking forward to our hot topic conversation here tonight because uh, there's been some other news stories that have come out this week. 
So with uh, we that, certainly have no, no shortage. That's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Okay, we are ready for our hot topic sound off conversation. And uh, joining us for tonight's uh, hot topics uh, is Mike Gorzell. I believe he's on the line. Hello, good evening, everybody. It's good to have you here. And Andy's not here yet. I'm hoping he uh, read that we're starting at 9.30 tonight. I might have to uh, send him a text here uh, just to remind him because he's not here yet. But let's go ahead and start off our hot topic. Mike, will let you uh, list our first hot topic, and then Jay will let you comment, and hopefully Andy will be here by then. All right. Well, I heard you guys talking about it before we started the Hot Topics segment. But, yeah, uh, it was announced today that Kurt Busch has still not been medically cleared to participate in at least the first few races of the playoffs. As a result, 2311 Racing, obviously the team owner for Kurt Busch's number 45 team, has rescinded Kurt Busch's request for a playoff waiver, which effectively means that now Kurt Busch is out of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. That leaves two slots open for the weekend. Currently, Martin Truex and Ryan Blaney are the two that hold that spot. And the way the cup playoff field works now, every cup driver who has won a race, with the exception of Kurt Busch, will be in the 2022 uh, playoffs. No one's going to get kicked out if they have won a race. Those two slots that are available will go to Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex, unless we have a new winner who is not Blaney or Truex, then the lowest of those two in points, Blaney or Truex, will be eliminated. Blaney is currently 25 points ahead of Martin Truex in the regular season standings, which is used to determine the eligibility. So in order for uh, Truex to advance and Blaney be bumped out with a new winner, it's going to take a pretty catastrophic day for Ryan Blaney and a pretty good day for Martin Truex at Daytona. So I know I put a lot out there for the hot topic. If you want to split them and talk about the playoff picture, and talk about Kurt Busch separately, we'll, we'll go with it from there. Okay. Well, Andy is here now, so Andy, we'll go to you next, and then Jay will go to you. Uh, Andy, your thoughts about the news uh, that Kurt Busch will not uh, be able to start the playoffs and has waived his uh, uh, eligibility waiver. So your thoughts. Well, first off, uh, thanks for having me on. It's always good to be here, and uh, that's disheartening news, quite honestly. Um, you know, I was hopeful, I think, like everybody, that he would be back in time to make a playoff and championship run, and it looks like he won't have that opportunity. So, first and foremost, I'm hopeful that uh, he'll continue to get better, and, and maybe we'll see him finish out the season at some point and, and come back for what hopefully uh, he can – make a retirement full season next year. So, um, you know, definitely dis- disappointing, but, you know, it's it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, he, he's having to endure this, but obviously, you know, his health is, is the primary situation to resolve. And, um, you know, it's, um, I think, a, a bit concerning, really, you know, that, that um, this injury is going on as long as it did. This is very reminiscent of Dale Earnhardt Jr. a few years ago um, in which, you know, in this case, we thought maybe it would only be a race or two, and this this could turn into, you know, almost a half a season. So, um, you know, certainly our thoughts are with, you know, Kurt and, and him getting better. Um, but certainly a twist in the playoffs, I think that, uh, you know, if you're Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr., you're pretty much in good shape, you know, unless we get 
a new winner this weekend, um, but certainly a, a plot twist, if you will, concerning the playoffs, uh, considering going into this week, Kurt Busch was, was basically a done deal, and, and now that's no longer the case. But um, certainly, you know, just, just definitely um, concerning, really. I, I certainly didn't think it was this serious, and, and the fact that he'll be out longer than we expected, you know, is certainly um, – not only disappointing, but it also makes me, you know, hopeful that other drivers don't encounter the same situation. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, they got to echo a lot of what, what Andy said. Uh, I know a lot of comparisons being made back to Dale Earnhardt Jr., and, and he kind of set the example of standing up and saying, hey, I'm going to sit out. And I don't remember exactly. I want to say he might have been out like two months. Um, but I also think maybe that he came back a little too early and just wasn't as sharp. So I think Kurt Busch is looking at that. Uh, as Andy said, it, it's a matter of long-term health. Uh, so they're making the right decision. You know, we're sad to see it, especially being that he was a playoff-eligible driver and there was talk about, I believe, NASCAR's waiver the way it was. He could enter even the last of the three races in the playoffs, still being eligible if you're to win that and advance on. Um, I don't know what his status is or what they're projecting, but I got to admire the entire team saying, hey, we want, and I know we talked about this as one of our separate hot topics, the most competitive teams in the playoffs, and if they don't feel Kurt Busch can come back 100% or wait and try and take one shot at it in one race, that that's really not what the intent of the playoff format was. And by withdrawing that uh, waiver request, um, giving that opportunity in this case, most likely Martin Truex, Ryan Blaney, or and the uh, new winner if we get one. I admire them for doing that because they could have held on to that spot and have made an attempt at it one way or another. But to withdraw that and let uh, another team in that is going to run the full 16 races for sure, uh, I admire that. And I admire Kurt for if he's not ready, not trying to push to come back. Like I said, it's disappointing. We all wish the best for him, and this is obviously is long-term what's best for him. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, Jay. It's it's hard not to come up with some to come up with something new here because you and Andy have pretty much covered it. Uh we're we're sad to see uh this happening for Kurt Busch. I know it's a big disappointment for him not to be in the playoffs this season after getting the win, but his health is most important and should be his top priority, which uh making this decision as difficult as it was uh, is uh, probably the right thing to do, uh, and, and more than probably, it is the right thing to do uh, because his health is more important than being in the playoffs and further injuring himself. So um, uh, I, I wish Kurt Busch all the best, and uh, I, I hope he does have a, uh, uh, a recovery at some point before the season ends. It would be good to see him back in the car but not if there is a risk of further injuring himself. So I, I'm going to trust that he's going to make the right decisions here and uh, move forward from there. But uh, I hope that this doesn't mean an early retirement for him. Uh, I hope that by the time next season starts, if not this season, I hope by the time next season starts, we're going to see Kurt Busch back in that number uh, 45 for 23-11 racing. So uh, we have to wait and see the, how the rest of the story unfolds. But uh, I think he's made the right decision here. 
And uh, as uh, I know it was a hard decision, uh, but I know he's doing the right thing. So, Mike? It's a real shame. I, I know I was optimistically reading between the lines last week or a couple weeks ago when Kurt didn't explicitly say that he hadn't been medically cleared and was just saying the time wasn't right to come back yet. I was optimistically reading between the lines of, hey, Maybe Kurt has been medically cleared and has just taken a couple extra weeks as a, as a risk mitigation and safety precaution. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It's a real shame to see Kurt out. Uh, on the other hand, I am kind of happy that it's shaken out the way that it has. There was some scuttlebutt, nothing from any official sources, but there was a lot of scuttlebutt this past week, maybe 10 days or so, that Toyota or NASCAR or kind of a combination thereof would have pulled Kurt's waiver one way or the other. And I'm not sure how much that was a real discussion and how much of that was just speculation, uh, but I'm kind of glad it, it went the way that it did with Kurt kind of taking the lead and making that announcement. My concern was if they, capital T, they, start talking about eliminating Kurt from the playoffs if he's not ready to buy Darlington, which is in a little bit over a week. It's the first week of the uh, first race of the playoffs. If Kurt isn't ready by Darlington, he's out. And making that decision without Kurt Busch in there, that could start putting pressure on Kurt to maybe not be as forthcoming with talking with a doctor about any symptoms he may still be experiencing in the hopes of getting that medical clearance to race and then race injured. NASCAR has done a great job over the past several years to a decade of sending an extremely clear message to drivers. We don't want you racing when you're hurt. We don't want you risking further injury, and doubly so for head injuries like what Kurt Busch has. So I'm really glad that it, it, at least it appears that there wasn't any undue pressure put on Kurt Busch to make that decision of do I kind of lean forward and potentially drive injured or not, and that decision seems to have been a, a – a mutually beneficial decision for everybody. So I'm really glad that it worked out like that. Shame to not see Kurt Busch in there, but I think it's in the, in the interest of the sport, like we were talking about on Monday, having a playoff field of 16 drivers with the best likelihood of winning the championship, I think it's a great move because Ty Gibbs, even if Ty Gibbs filled in for Kurt Busch, he is not eligible to win a championship on Kurt Busch's behalf. You know, if Ty Gibbs win every single race in the playoffs somehow, Kurt Busch is still not the champion because Ty Gibbs won those races in the number 45 car, subbing for Kurt Busch. So effectively, if the 45 were still in the playoffs, there would, there would be a 15-car playoff of drivers who were actually eligible to win the championship, and I don't think that's really right for anybody. So to, to open up that eligibility again, get Martin Truex in or – Ryan Blaney, or whoever else wins at Daytona, open up that eligibility so now we have 16 championship-eligible teams in the playoff, I think is the best move for everybody. All right. So let's talk about the playoff implications. Keep in mind the 45 is still running for owner's points. Uh, Andy? Yeah, I mean, this certainly changes the picture. I think when you when you consider that a, a spot is now open uh, for the playoffs, um, and and I think you know unless we see a surprise winner, I think that um, we can now assume that Truex and, and Blaney are are probably going to make it. Whereas there was some uncertainty of that, and and now you're looking at 
you know, two cars and teams that that have a really good chance of, of competing deep into the playoffs, making it in the 12 and the 19. So um, it could have implications as far as, um, you know, who wins the championship this year. And, and you know, so certainly with, with the loss of Kurt Busch is significant, you know, the addition of potentially, you know, not just one of those teams between the 12 and the 19, but both of them, you know, that certainly will have an effect on, you know, who makes it deep into the playoffs considering how well they've, they've run all year. So um, definitely some implications there, you know, whether or not there's a new winner this weekend, um, which could easily happen, um, you know, even just having one of those teams, whether it be the 12 or the 19, um, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, somebody that can go out there and, and contend deep into the playoffs. So I, I definitely think with Kurt Busch's loss, you know, means a strong gain, in, in the drivers I just mentioned, and, you know, that could easily be, you know, a determining factor in who wins the championship. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, I know we we read uh, some of the quotes from Ryan Blaney, how he was saying that the pressure wasn't there. It was either you race your way in or not. But uh, I think that's the political answer. I think there was some pressure there, and I think it has moved from Ryan Blaney more so to Martin Truex. Going into the weekend the way it was originally slated, Martin Truex pretty much was in the win or at least have bad luck for Ryan Blaney and him have good luck to race his way in. Um, that's now Truex is definitely not in that same boat. Blaney's pressure has been lifted because he could get in on points, more than likely in on points no matter what. Even if there is a new winner, um, he's still the first one to lock in on points. So I think it's opened up his pressure and put a little bit more different on Truex. Uh, I don't want to say more, but different. Because now Truex is in that position of, oh, I could win, I could point in if it's not a new winner, or I could point in if it's a new winner and I beat Ryan Blaney. Uh, there's a lot more going on for Truex versus Blaney. Um, overall, as Sharon and I read the stats, the track of uh, super speedway racing favors Ryan Blaney. That plays into his cards. He's uh, back-to-back, looking to go back-to-back summer race wins. So Truex still has a lot on him. And we keep saying that if there's a new winner. I mean, that probability of a new winner is really high. I, I don't know if I'd put it at 50%, but it's up there. Uh, we've seen that some of the drivers we talked about, their average finish, Bubba Wallace, Eric Jones, Chris Busher, Brad Keselowski, just to name four real quick that really could win. I mean, Daytona or uh, Keselowski and Chris Busher won the duels there at Daytona earlier this year, so it's a realistic possibility. So I think I think the pressure really got put back now back on Martin Truex. Um, we'll have to see how it plays out, uh, and that will be when the checkered flag flies at Daytona because we've seen that in the past. So that it can be. 100 yards from the flag, and we think we know what's going to happen, and it changes in a heartbeat. Yes, indeed. Um, And it is unfortunate that this comes at the expense of uh, Kurt Busch. Uh, But, again, we feel like he made the right decision. Uh, But you're right. Ryan Blaney certainly has the advantage here. Uh, He does not have as much pressure on him because even if there's a winner below the cut line, a new winner uh, he's probably still going to be able to make it in unless he has a catastrophic day. For instance, if he gets knocked out of the race in one of the first few laps, 
uh, and he ends up finishing dead last. That could really ruin things for Ryan Blaney. Hopefully that won't happen, uh, but right now I think he does have the better of the two situations. Uh, with with having previous wins at Daytona, that's certainly on his side of uh, advantages over Martin Truex Jr. because Martin has not had a win on a super speedway track. They've kind of been his nemesis. Uh, so he needs a lot of things to go right for him at Daytona this weekend. And you're right, he's he's not just he's hoping that there's not a new winner this weekend because that will keep him in the running uh, if there's not a new winner. But he also has to make sure uh, that he knows exactly where he is uh, as it relates to points as well. So uh, Ryan, Ryan Martin Truex. <laughs> uh is is really in a vulnerable position still um uh especially when it's a super speedway race uh that is going to make the difference between whether he's in or he's not um his best bet is for there to be a repeat winner this weekend somebody who's already won uh above that cut line if there is a new winner uh it's going to be tough for him to make the playoffs this season unless uh, something catastrophic happens for Ryan Truex, or Ryan uh, Blaney. So uh, it it's, uh, has an upside to it, but it, it, it's going to be a tough road, tougher road to hoe for Martin Truex Jr. than a lot of people think. Um, he, he, he could make it in uh, if there's a repeat winner and it's, it won't be that big of a sweat. There's a new winner, and like Jay said, uh, it's certainly possible uh, at Daytona. Austin Sindrick was a rookie and won the Daytona 500. So we and we know Bubba Wallace is really wanting to get that Daytona win. All of those drivers below the cut line are capable of getting a Daytona win. So uh, we'll have to see how it plays out uh, this this Saturday night. And uh, I think it's going to be an interesting race to watch. Uh, do not miss. So, Mike, your thoughts? You know, it sounds like it got easier for Martin Truex because that extra playoff slot opened up and, and he fell into it. But realistically, things got a lot harder for Martin Truex this weekend. Yep. It used to be, before the announcement this morning, it was a matter of, hey, man, you got to go out there and win the race or you're going home. And that was it. It was very binary. Either win the race or you're done. And that was all he had to worry about. Now he's got to worry about where's Ryan Blaney on the racetrack? Who's leading the race right now? How aggressive do I need to be? If it comes down to the last stage, Ryan Blaney's still in the race, it becomes very difficult for Martin Truex to, to, to manage his aggression level of, do I need to give everything I've got to get to the front of the field because I must win this race? Or... Am I far enough ahead of the 12 car that I can afford to have Chris Busher win this race? And with the way track position changes at Daytona, that's not a lap-to-lap consideration. That's a, you know, every 100 yards that whole equation changes. So things got a whole lot more complicated for Martin Truex and the 19 team because they have to watch so much more of what's going on. And they really... I wouldn't say they've lost control of their destiny. Obviously, if Martin Truex goes out and wins the race, then he's he's in. But if he does not win the race, there's a lot more factors in play here and considerations that the team didn't have 
when they went to bed last night. Yeah, they did have that uh, runner-up finish in 2018. That's his best finish uh, on a super speedway at Daytona. But he's got to do better than that uh, this weekend. Uh, the win would take a lot of pressure off of him for sure. Oh, okay. I did. Uh, There's one other thing I wanted to throw in there that I didn't mention. Um, I hear you saying, dear listener, but Mike, you handsome yet opinionated but always correct bastion of wisdom, what if Martin Truex and Ryan Blaney finish the race tied in the points and there's a new winner, so there's only one slot available between Martin Truex and Ryan Blaney who are tied in points? And I will say, well, dear listener and imaginary straw man that I've invented to prop up my own ego, the tiebreaker, it, it goes to the best finish of the two drivers. So whoever has the best finishing position throughout the entire regular season would get the slot. Now, as it stands right now going into Daytona, Ryan Blaney currently holds the tiebreaker with his third-place finish at Nashville Super Speedway. That means Martin Truex doesn't necessarily need to win the race if they end up tied in points and Martin Truex finishes second Martin Truex beats Ryan Blaney in the tiebreaker because that second-place finish now becomes the highest regular season finish between the two of those drivers. So there's another scenario to keep in mind. Well, and the other scenario, and we touched on it a little bit, hopefully this won't happen, um, but uh, uh, any hanky-panky that's reminiscent of uh, Richmond, hopefully it's either going to be harder to catch at Daytona or uh, not as likely that they'll do it at Daytona. Uh, but uh, I think uh, Mike and I kind of talked it through, and even if they get that 100-point penalty, if there is a post-race penalty, uh, it's not going to be enough to take them out necessarily, uh, again, depending on finish and all that kind of thing. So uh, some interesting scenarios that could come up here this weekend at Daytona. But uh It's a developing story, to say the least. Okay, Andy, what's our next hot topic? Uh, Zane Smith will be back at uh, Front Row Motorsports for a full truck season in 2023, which will also include making his Cup Series debut in the Daytona 500, as well as possible NASCAR Xfinity Series starts for next season. Okay. Uh, Jay, your thoughts about Zane Smith returning to the truck series with some uh, uh, part-time starts in Cup and Xfinity? Well, obviously I thought this was an important hot topic. I tried to put it up a second time. Sharon already had it up, and I didn't even see it. Um, It's a little surprising to me because we heard last year already he was initially the driver slotted to go up for Chip Ganassi racing to the Cup series, and then that fell apart with the sale of Ganassi to Trackhouse Racing. I did not expect, truthfully, not expect him to be back full-time in the truck series this year. Uh, there's some open spots within the Xfinity series. Uh, right now, Junior Motorsports is looking for a driver. And I know there's always different uh, manufacturer deals and what, whatever. So this was a little surprising. However, I'm encouraged by it. Because with that, whether it be 20, what, 2024, if we see a driver change at Front Row Motorsports or possibly a third car full-time, 
that they're building towards the future, and no better driver to build it on than Zane Smith. I mean, we've seen that. So I will take the encouragement from it, but I was a little surprised to see that that's going to be his primary is back in the truck series. Okay. Uh, Mike. I'm kind of with Jay on this. Obviously, it's always good for a driver to, to shore up a full-time ride in any of the top three series in NASCAR. So I don't want to take that away from Zane Smith. But at the, on the other hand, I'm kind of starting to get concerned that it's only another full-time ride in the truck series, albeit he's got some select cup starts and some select Xfinity series starts. But it's kind of concerning that Zane Smith's progress has kind of stagnated a little bit. And it doesn't really surprise me, based on his performance this year, he's been very hot and cold. Sometimes you'll watch a race and Zane Smith will dominate it flag to flag. and like, man, why isn't this guy in the Cup Series? And then the next week it's like they didn't even show up. So I'm not sure how much of that is equipment, how much of it is the team, how much of it is the consistency of the driver. As usual, it's probably a combination of all of the above. But it kind of makes me wonder, is, is that fire, that, the hotness of Zane Smith kind of fading a little bit here, or does he still have the potential to move up into the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series? He's still young. I think he's like 21. Don't quote me on that. So he's still pretty young age-wise. He's got plenty of time and potential. But the fact that he's still not moving up is, is a little concerning. Now, the other problem that he has going for him that's kind of beyond his control is he's, he's driving for Ford. And Ford does not really have an Xfinity Series program to speak of. With uh, Team Penske shutting down and Stuart Haas Racing really downsizing their presence in the Xfinity Series, there's really not a premier Ford development team in the Xfinity Series for a driver in a Ford in the truck series to naturally move up and evolve into. That's not to say they can't have anything stood up and prepared for them, but there's really not that natural progression where a Chevy driver in the truck series would move to junior motorsports or a, a Toyota driver in a Kyle Busch truck would move to Joe Gibbs racing in the Xfinity series. That progression doesn't really exist in the Ford side of the house in the Xfinity series. So maybe Zane Smith does eventually leapfrog the Xfinity series into cup but I think based on performance this year and previous years, we're going to need to see a lot more of that consistent race dominance that we see when good Zane Smith shows up versus that Zane who that we see sometimes when it's like they don't show up at all. Yeah, I uh, tend to agree with that. I think that, uh, that I think there is a limited number of spots uh, for the Ford Development Program in the Xfinity and the Truck Series and the uh, Cup Series. So. Yeah, he could move up to – he could leapfrog right into uh, Front Row Motorsports in the Cup Series because they certainly uh, – I don't think they have much of a presence in the uh, Xfinity Series at all. So I could see that happening. Uh, and I do think another year in the Truck Series is certainly not going to hurt him and could kind of help keep him uh, – help him – create more consistency that you're talking about, Mike. Um, I, I, uh, I really think it has more to do with the availability of spots, uh, especially when you consider that Eric Almarola, and we might talk about this later too, but Eric Almarola changing his mind 
about uh, potential retirement in 2023. So that means there's one less spot available for anybody to move up. Uh, I think it's uh, it's good that he's getting those select rides in uh, Xfinity and and Cup Series. Uh, but yeah, I think I think a lot of it has to do uh, with uh, the availability to to move up, and I think he wants to stay within that board camp. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting move. I would tend to agree uh, with both of you guys. So, you know, what's been said so far that you know I half expected him to, to maybe get a full-time Xfinity series or cup series option for 2023. That being said, I, I think that uh, the key to look at here is that this is a multi-year deal. This is not a one-year deal that gives him some stability moving forward. And he's really the only Ford development prospect right now. There's really nobody else in the pipeline in the truck series, in the, um, in the uh, Xfinity series um, that is ready (laughs) to continue progressing, Mike. (laughs) So um, (laughs) if I'm going to be honest about it, if I'm to be blunt about it, that's the truth. Zane Smith has shown promise. No one else has really shown promise. So, you know, maybe Ford has stepped in and, and helped facilitate this deal to keep him in Ford equipment for 2023 to include a full truck season. And the key, of course, is he will make a Cup Series start in the Daytona 500, possibly more. And, you know, I think the intriguing thing to me is select Xfinity Series starts. The key is who's that going to be with? Um, the only um, – you know, real Ford Xfinity team is the Stuart Haas 98. No one really knows what that car is doing next year, um, whether it will continue to Poorly. be a funded driver in, in Herbs or somebody else. But Herbs is not a development driver. He's there because of fun, uh, funding. So, you know, what does that car do in the future? Will maybe a, a satellite team like a, an SS Greenlight Racing or Ryan Sieg Racing, maybe they feel the car part-time next year. Who knows? You know, maybe it's an affiliated team with SHR. It's really, it really remains to be seen. But um, I, I would love to see Zane get some Xfinity Series starts in a good funded car, and maybe Ford can help make that happen because Ford's development program is in need of some talent, you know, to come up through the ranks. And, and right now it's really just Zane Smith, and, and I'm just not seeing evidence of anybody else really progressing. So hopefully – um, they're making an investment, and by they, I mean Ford Performance making an investment in Zane to help to continue uh, his progression, and, and, and I'd love to see him stay with that camp. I think that he's a, a very talented driver. Um, he's done very well in the truck series, and, you know, he, he's in contention to win the championship this year and, and will continue to do that next year, I would imagine. But uh, to see him run more Xfinity and Cup Series races in the future is, is a good thing, and I hope that um, – you know, with this being a multi-year deal, it gives him some stability to allow him to, um, to to grow and get better as time goes on. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Well, there's a couple of things um, that, from my perspective anyway, I also see sponsorship is one of them. Uh, we've known that throughout history of the, the series um, plays a factor. You guys hit on the manufacturer, but I also look at what we've seen, two different stories between truck drivers that have moved into the Xfinity Series. 
I want to compare Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed, both racing for um, Richard Childress Racing. And it's been two different storylines throughout the year. So I don't know if that's something they're looking at. With the next-gen car and the difference between that and the Xfinity Series, maybe they don't feel the Xfinity Series is a necessary stepping stone anymore. On-track experience and car experience obviously um, is valuable, but with the, the difference between those two, we're seeing some of these drivers, and Todd Dillon with front row is one of them, that has gone from the trucks directly, basically directly into the Cup Series. So that might be the new program. And the other thing I look at, like I said, trying to look at the positive, DGR, uh, I know it's under Front Row Motorsports as the Cup and Truck team, but Front Row Mo- or, uh, David Gillen Racing, a big part of that. And maybe that's where we see the Xfinity Series develop is under the DGR banner. We'll have to wait and see. But I think we see a future building there of a Ford development program. Okay, Mike? Jay brings up kind of a good point, and we talked about this a few months ago when the discussion about Nice Motorsports jumping over the Xfinity Series and fielding a Cup Series team with Carson Hosevar. Remember that discussion where um, they were saying that, well, we don't really see the Xfinity Series as a necessary step. We don't see it as a competitive outlet for the team, et cetera. And Jay kind of brings that up again, and he's not wrong, which is, you know, it pains me to say it. I, I would love to disagree with Jay, but I can't here. Um, the Xfinity Series is kind of a lame duck right now because of how different the car is versus the Cup Series car. So it does kind of make sense where if you've got a driver who's really strong in the trucks, well, there's really no reason for them to go into the Xfinity Series. Andy and I have kind of talked about it in some of our race chats where, by and large, the Xfinity Series is full of scrubs these days. You've got a couple good drivers every once in a while, and whenever you get one good driver that comes in there, they kind of mop the floor with the field because the field in the Xfinity Series right now isn't particularly deep. So I wouldn't say the Xfinity Series is dying by any stretch of the imagination, but it isn't an odd spot right now where maybe that isn't the natural progression where you're always going to start in the truck and then you're always going to move to Xfinity and then you're going to move to a cup car. Maybe that natural progression is somewhat broken. We did see Chase Elliott effectively skip the truck series. He ran a few truck series races, but he never ran a full-time season in there. Ty Gibbs, I don't know if he's ever started a truck series race. He certainly hasn't run a full-time season in the truck series. So that natural progression Maybe you do the trucks or you do the Xfinity series, but maybe doing both like William Byron, Eric Jones, and some of the other drivers who've come up to the Cup Series in the past few years did, maybe that's not as much of a requirement as it used to be. Yeah, I think that is a good point because if you recall, Ty Gibbs talked a little bit about this as well. Uh, he was asked the question, is there anything he can take from the Xfinity series to the Cup Series? And he flat out said no. If anything, he's taking some of his experience in the Cup Series back to the Xfinity Series. Uh, These are two different uh, types of cars. Uh, And um, I think another evidence of that is we saw Cole Custer make the playoffs uh, in his, was it his first year or second year uh, in the Cup Series? He made it into the playoffs, and he struggled. Uh, to learn this new car. 
He's a very methodical thinker, very methodical kind of driver. So that makes sense to me that he would approach this in a very methodical kind of way. But uh, these next-gen cars are not easy to learn. Now, some drivers have adapted more quickly, and I don't know if that's because of the driver or if it's because of the crew chief, but um, uh, I think that there is some evidence uh, to support that the progression to Xfinity series is not necessarily the right path any longer. Um, And the other thought that kind of occurred to me is that it could be that it was slated, Zane Smith may have been slated to take over that number 10 car, uh, or at least one of the candidates to take over the number 10 car. Uh, but when Eric Almarola changed his mind, that changed the plans for uh, Eric Almarola, or that changed the plans for Zane Smith. Also keep in mind that Front Row Motorsports is the same team that Todd Gilliland drove for and moved up into the Cup Series without uh, necessarily running in the Xfinity Series. So I think they recognize this probably more quickly than some of the other teams. Uh, We've seen Todd Gilliland be a little more um, uh, quick to adapt to this uh, next-gen car, Uh, and he's been competitive in a couple of these races. Uh, So maybe that is the next progression uh, for these drivers that are coming from the truck series. Uh, but it makes you wonder, I know NASCAR's got to be looking at this. Uh, they've got to do something with that Xfinity Series car to make it part of the progression for drivers as they move into Cup because uh, not every driver is going to be like a Todd Gilliland uh, or a Ty Gibbs that can make that progression. Uh, Ty Gibbs is very good in the Xfinity Series, uh, and he's had some good runs in the Cup Series. Um, but I think those are the exceptions uh, versus the rule when it comes to learning that next-gen car. And maybe the best thing is to come from trucks directly into uh, that next-gen car. Uh, so, again, I think it's a really valid point. I just wanted to give a couple of other uh, thoughts here that kind of support that thought. Uh Andy? Yeah, you know, I I think to close this out, you know, I I think that, you know, it's encouraging for Zane to be able to, you know, get some experience running some Xfinity Series races. He's already done that with JR Motorsports in the past, but for him to to do that again next year, I think is good as well as Cup Series starts. Um, the the you guys touched on the Truck Series, you know, progression straight to the Cup Series, you know. I don't really know that that's a good or bad thing per se. Todd Gilliland's run okay this year in the Cup Series. He certainly hasn't set the world on fire. Um, You know, we've seen drivers in the past, though, be successful going from the the Truck Series to the Cup Series. But I think in this case, honestly, with Zane, it's just the, the opportunity that was presented to him that made the most sense. And, you know, it remains to be seen if he got other opportunities maybe to run full-time Cup or Xfinity Series cars for next year. But um, maybe this is the move that made the most sense to him to be competitive and stay relevant. I think anyone in their right mind would rather run a a full-time truck if it means contending to win races and championships versus a 25th place (laughs) Cup car on, on a weekly basis, you know? So, you know, maybe this is the opportunity that that uh, is going to allow him to stay relevant next year. And 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 honestly, 
you know, if you're Zane Smith, you know, that's what you need to do if you intend to stay in the sport a long time. I mean, we've seen all too often drivers that move into the Cup Series with teams that just are not competitive and, and they become, um, you know, nobodies that are out of the sport in short order. So I honestly don't think this is a bad move at all. I think for Zane, this is a good chance to stay competitive, win races, contend for a championship. And, you know, maybe this leads to bigger and better opportunities down the road. But, but truthfully, um, you know, and I think the key is to reiterate here is that this is a multi-year deal and, and that gives him stability to, to stick around for a while in, in what ultimately is a competitive situation. Okay, also a good point. Jay, you get the next hot topic. Well, we were talking about the uh, Xfinity Series team and whether it's dying. Junior Motorsports, uh, this one is kind of a, I don't know if shocking is the right word, but unclear of their direction now as Ryan Pemberton, and let me find, skipped over it, his position where did it go? Uh, Ryan Pemberton and Junior of... Motorsports. Yeah. There we go. Uh, director of competition. Um, been with the team, what, since 2012, I believe. Um, they've, it says amicably parted ways with the team. But especially when we look at a team that's looking to go to the Cup Series, possibly, they need to find a replacement driver. They've been one of the dominant teams in the Xfinity series. Uh, that's a little concerning to me, I guess. Okay, Mike, your thoughts about uh, Ryan Pemberton leaving Junior Motorsports? I don't know that I would start writing the obituary for Junior Motorsports just because Ryan Pemberton left. Uh, yes, he's been an important part of that team for quite some time, but he has not been the team. It would be a much different story if Kelly Earnhardt decided she was going to step away from the team. Nothing against Ryan Pemberton. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm sure he's been a very important part of that team or he would not have been there as long as he has. However, I don't think that's going to, to spell the end of junior motorsports or the comp- competitive nature of junior motorsports. Remember, they have the premier Chevrolet team in the Xfinity Series. They are part of Chevrolet's development pipeline that leads from – a Chevrolet truck to a Chevrolet Xfinity Series ride to eventually a uh, NASCAR Cup Series ride. So I don't think that the departure of any one person, uh, short of maybe Dale Earnhardt or Kelly Earnhardt, would have a major effect on the competitiveness of junior motorsports. With that said, Jay's right. There are a lot of moving pieces going on with junior motorsports this year, especially with what's going to happen with that nine car. There is no heir apparent to the nine car right now. There are no Chevrolet drivers currently lighting the truck series on fire. Um, there's nobody in ARCA right now who is – I wouldn't put them on a lawnmower in my backyard right now with how bad the ARCA series is these days, let alone an Xfinity series car. So who ends up in the Junior Motorsports 9 car? I really don't know. And I think that's a bigger question, Mark, than what's going to happen to the team as a whole with Ryan Pemberton gone. Andy, your thoughts? Mike, first off, I appreciate the chuckle. I just laughed out loud very hard at, at what you just said there, because it's true. <laughs> um, uh, just, you know, I I would have to agree with Mike 100% on this one. It's, it is disappointing to see Ryan 
tempered in, in JR Motorsports part ways. He's been in the sport a long time. He's, I think, brought a lot to every team that he's worked for. But is this the death of JR Motorsports? No, it's not. I think they'll be just fine, especially under the leadership of Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt. So, um, you know, what what does this mean for the future for Ryan Temperton? Maybe he goes to some other organization and brings his knowledge there. Maybe he's pursuing something else. Who knows? Um, I think JR Motorsports will be just fine. I think that, to me, the big question mark that we've already talked about is the future of the nine car. Um, to me, that's a big mystery because I have no clue who's going to fill the void there. And I guess um, that'll be uh, a hot topic for a different time when we do find that out. But um, as far as the future of that team, I think they're in good hands. They're arguably, you know, one of, if not the most competitive, well, aside from Joe Gibbs Racing. But, you know, they're certainly one of the most competitive teams in the Xfinity Series. And I think they will continue to do just that and uh, have a strong future uh, moving forward in not just the Xfinity Series, but probably the Cup Series at some point, too. Yeah, I um, I uh, agree that I don't think this is going to hurt junior motorsports at all. L.W. Miller, who is right now uh, the director of motorsports, is going to uh, fill that position in the interim. He'll do his job along with this director of competition uh, position until they find someone. Um, but we don't know the rest of the story. We don't know. Ryan Pemberton may have something else that's already lined up. Sometimes you can be in an organization so long that things become stale, and you need to kind of shake things up for your career in order to bring new life to it, if you will. And I think that might be the case here. I, I think it's just the right time for Ryan Pemberton to make a different career choice. And um, I can't wait to find out what that might be uh, at somewhere down the road. Or who they fill that position with, I think, is equally going to be as interesting. So uh, I have confidence that they'll fill that spot with somebody who's very capable. Um, uh, I do think that there might be a few people in the Arkham Menard series. I know it's a different um, – uh, it's a different um, – manufacturer, um, but you, we always run into that situation where people uh, may not have uh, enough spots open uh, within their manufacturing ranks, uh, and we're watching uh, Nor Gregson, uh, for that matter, change manufacturers, making it the move that he's making. So um, I do think that uh, Nick Sanchez uh, Daniel Dye, uh, just to name a couple of people. Sammy Smith, he's with Toyota right now, but I've seen him race in the Xfinity Series and have some really good runs. So I think there's a few people. Corey Heim's been in the Truck Series. Uh, we'll see uh, if he stays in the Truck Series or where he goes. Uh, but I think there are a few people, maybe not a lot of people. Uh, I know they're, they're – uh, uh, Daniel Dye and Nick Sanchez are at the top of the list right now of the drivers uh, doing well in the Arkham Menard Series. Rajak Karuth is part of that storyline. Uh, but I think Sammy Smith is a big part of that storyline, too. Sammy Smith has a 2.3 average start with a 3.7 average finish. Uh, he's got two wins in 10 of 14 races uh, that have been run this season. And like I say, he, I've seen him do very, very well. 
when he has run in the um, Xfinity Series. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I know it would be a manufacturer change. That's a kind of a big jump there. But uh, I think it would be a logical move for somebody like a Sammy Smith or, or maybe, uh, you know, Daniel Dyer or Nick Sanchez. We'll have to wait and see uh, what happens there. But uh, um, And they'll go through a learning curve just like all of the drivers that come into the Xfinity Series um, from the Arkham Menard Series. It is a learning curve. But when you're driving for a team like Junior Motorsports, you're getting good mentorship, you're getting uh, good equipment, uh, you just got to make sure that you've got sponsorship, and that's the name of the game these days. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but there's more to this story, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing that develop as well. Jay? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to disagree on a couple of different things here. First, starting with Ryan Pemberton, um, we don't know. I don't know the, the inner workings of junior motorsports, but you talk about any team, there's always that one key individual that is linked to it. I think of Stuart Haas Racing, you have Greg Zipidelli. You talk about Hendrick Motorsports, it's Chad Canals. There's a reason they move up into these positions. So I'm not saying it's the death of junior motorsports, but I think he is a key element there, and it, it was just kind of curious, if, especially if they're looking at moving up to the Cup Series in the near future, um, that this is happening. And, you know, Sharon put it as sometimes a, you get stale or stagnant. Um, change is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the timing of it uh, was a little, I want to say, concerning to me. The one thing, though, uh, Mike, I would let any of those drivers mow my lawn because my lawn doesn't get mowed and it's, like, waist high, but... I, I don't know what you're watching. Uh, Sharon mentioned several. We have seen some great Arkham Menards racing. And if you want to stick to manufacturer, I know they like to pull some drivers from the late model series and give new drivers a chance. But I think Daniel Dye, GMS Racing, doesn't have the presence in the Xfinity series. That's their driver. That would be an opportune time to keep him in the Chevrolet pipeline, if you will. The Toyota one she mentioned, I know there again you run into that. There is only so many spots to move up when it comes to Toyota. I don't see Sammy Smith leaving Toyota um, anytime in the near future. Um, I don't think they'll let him go. You never, right, yeah. That, that one, I think that one would be a tough buyout. But uh, the Rev Racing ones um, generally typically do lead towards Toyota rides, whether it be in the truck series or the Xfinity. But we, we know it. There is only so many limited seats when it comes to that. So seeing one of them, Nick Sanchez or possibly Rajah Karuth, um, certainly have to look at that as an opportunity to uh, move up and not get uh, bogged down by the pipeline of Toyota. I think we may see that here in the near future. And I say they have put on some great races there uh, in the Arkham Menard series. Okay. Mike, your follow-up. Well, at least nobody mentioned Drew Dollar. So that's a, that's at least a, a move in the right direction there because um, that kind of leads into my next point here. I really have nothing to add on the Ryan Pemberton piece, but Jay touched on sponsorship, and so did Andy, with regard to pay drivers and sponsorship money and keeping the race car on the racetrack. And if you look at Dale Jr.'s face, whenever somebody mentions the current cost of a NASCAR Cup Series charter, he winces. 
And every time the price goes up, he winces just a little bit harder because Dale Jr. has no interest in funding. Well, I can't speak for him, but it seems that he has no interest in funding that team out of his pocket. $20 million is way too much money for a NASCAR Cup Series charter, according to Dale Jr., and it probably costs somewhere in that neighborhood to front a full-time competitive at the level as Junior Motorsports is accustomed to car in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So what does that mean? Well, Michael Annette retired last year. That took some built-in sponsorship money with him. Uh, Josh Berry didn't bring a lot of sponsorship to the table when they put him in the eight car full-time this year. I don't know how much of the sponsorship that Noah Gregson currently has, namely Bass Pro Shops and Black Rifle Coffee are two of Gregson's biggest sponsors. I'm not sure how much of that is going to stay with Junior Motorsports and how much of that is going to move up to the Cup Series with Noah Gregson when Gregson goes full-time in the Cup Series next year. I don't know. But if there's a substantial loss of sponsorship at Junior Motorsports and not another driver bringing sponsorship with them, Downsizing might not be out of the realm of possibility for junior motorsports. We saw Penske shut down entirely. We saw Joe Gibbs Racing go from a five-car weekly operation to a four-car operation. If there's not funding, we are assuming that the nine cars coming back next year because junior motorsports has traditionally run those four cars. But without the funding and without a strong driver candidate who is in the pipeline to put in that car, I don't think that Junior Dale Jr. has any interest in putting a mediocre driver into a car that he's funding out of his own pocket. So this is definitely something to keep an eye on here and is a much bigger concern for Junior Motorsports going forward than the departure of Ryan Pemberton. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Uh, no real follow-up on this one. I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah, you bring up a good point, too, and I, I, I said it as well, is that uh, whoever comes up, they're going to have to bring sponsorship with them, and that is the name of the game these days. So I do think that that is very key. You also go back, and, and what you say, Mike, is true. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they stutter that number nine team. Uh, for all the reasons that we talked about when we were talking about Zane Smith as well, drivers may not be coming uh, into the Xfinity Series to get into the Cup Series any longer. Uh, they may be using the route of the Truck Series uh, to make that happen instead uh, in order to gain that popularity or their skills uh, and attract the sponsorship that they need to be able to move on in this sport. Uh, also, the cost of uh, doing business, as you mentioned, is so much higher uh, than uh, I think it really should be. Uh, there, there really should not be costing uh, in the millions of dollars that they're they're talking about for these chargers anymore. Um, but saying that, uh, that is um, well, I guess it's not a charger in the Xfinity series, but that is. Uh, something to, that they have to kind of keep in mind as well. Uh, it is going to be interesting to see how NASCAR responds to this changing dynamic uh, that we're talking about because NASCAR is going to have to address it. And I, I know that organizations like NASCAR put together five-year plans, ten-year plans. I'm sure there's something in the pipeline 
we just aren't aware of it at this point. Uh, but it is going to be interesting to see what that five-year, ten-year plan is going to produce to address the issues that we've brought up here. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I just want to say there are some possibilities. I don't think to say that there's no possibilities. Um, I do think there are some possibilities. And if, if uh, you know, one of the jobs, that a team has is to help find sponsorship as well. They don't expect necessarily. It's always good if a driver comes with sponsorship, but not every driver is going to come with sponsorship. And so if you really want that driver, uh, you have to put forth that effort to get the sponsorship. But I know uh, even the big teams are struggling with that. Um, I still think it's hard to believe that uh, Joe Gibbs Racing couldn't find sponsorship for Kyle Busch. That's just mind-boggling when you think about it. But uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, so, Jay, you get the final word here. That is one of the things. Let me make my announcement. Let me make my announcement real quick. I just looked at the time. Uh, We are coming up to the 1030 mark. And for people who are tuning in for the first time or as a reminder for others, uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, but we do continue recording the rest of our conversation because, as you can tell, we get very passionate about these hot topics, and and uh, we've got more hot topics to talk about. So uh, what's going to happen is when we finish our show here tonight, uh, we are going. I'll go out on both Facebook and and Twitter to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to the player at com and just fast forward to that two-hour mark uh, in order to hear the rest of the conversation. So we didn't want to leave anybody in doubt of, uh, you know, what the rest of the conversation is or how you can hear it. Uh, so that's why we make this announcement at this time of the night. So hope that helps. And, uh, Jay, we'll move back to you for your follow-up. Mike talked about a couple of things, and I know Junior had addressed that uh, immediately upon the announcement of Noah Gregson's departure, that bringing coming down one team was a possibility. They would have to look at sponsorship, very important. And I know in that article uh, on Jayski, L.W. Miller, which uh, is Kelly Earnhardt Miller's uh, husband, taking over that interim role anyway, that is part of his duty is the marketing and looking for sponsors and working with partners. So um, they are looking at it. I know we, and they're not rushing to make a decision. Uh, It's certainly going to be interesting to see whether or not the team uh, folds or then who they put into it. But that's where I say, I mean, there are some key players. And like I said, I don't know exactly of Ryan Pemberton's, but that's a name known throughout the NASCAR garage and maybe he has just decided to do this time for him to be done and that's great um but i think it is a little bit of a hiccup for junior motorsports whether or not it's a, a death sentence i don't think so um but i think it is going to be a hiccup um from somebody of that perspective to be stepping away for whatever reason but uh we'll see uh i hope that junior motorsports thrives whether or not they move up to the cup series as mike said uh bringing that up Junior has that tendency to wince uh, for sure because um, it takes a pretty penny. Okay. Mike, that leaves the next hot topic up to you. 
All right, so I'm going to kind of combine two of them right here because we've got two kind of similar hot topics. And I think the headline that you can use for both of them is Justin Marks is taking over the world. Uh, obviously, Trackhouse Justin Marks' team bought out Chip Ganassi Racing last year and turned Trackhouse Racing from a upstart kind of a team to now a very competitive Cup Series team with both drivers in the playoffs and, and legitimate championship contenders. Trackhouse Racing also just had the debut of Project 91. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Kenny Raikkonen, former F1 world champion, uh, had the debut run for the Project 91 car, was running in the top 10 for a little while. Unfortunately, he got Ross Chastain, so his day ended a little bit worse than we were hoping it would. But before the, the engines were even cooled down, Jensen Button, another former F1 champion, and Marcus Erickson, a former F1 driver, current IndyCar driver, have expressed interest in participating in Project 91. And, in fact, there are up to 20 different drivers between Formula One, IndyCar, and other racing series who have expressed interest either publicly or privately in participating in Trackhouse Racing's Project 91. Oh, by the way, Justin Marks also said that putting a car in the Indy 500 is a major goal for Trackhouse Racing, if not this coming year, sometime very soon. So Justin Marks went from who to, oh, that's who, really quick, didn't he? <laughs> okay, Andy, your thoughts about what's happening at Trackhouse Racing with Justin Marks? Uh, a lot of really good things is what's happening with them. I think that this past weekend with the 91 car um, was a huge success um, for bringing, um, you know, Kimi Raikkonen in for a Cup Series start. Hopefully we'll see him again, and if not him, uh, maybe some other uh, renowned race car drivers from, you know, F1 or IMSA, IndyCar, you name it. So um, it's it's incredibly good for the sport for a multitude of reasons, but the most important part about it is, you know, recognition. I think, you know, being able to bring somebody in like they did this past weekend, it put a lot of eyes in the sport that may have otherwise not watched the race on Sunday. And I think the more you can do that, the more it benefits um, not only the racer's own interest of running that event for fun, but also it benefits NASCAR and it gets more people involved and in, in, um, enthusiastic about the race. Um, so I think that this past weekend was just the start of what hopefully will turn into a successful project for years to come. I look forward to what they plan on doing next year. The plan, I believe, is to run six to eight races with the 91 car, and it will be interesting to see who they can get for those races. But based upon the interest in that team, I suspect that it will be some pretty big names in that car next year. So I'm excited about that. I think that, um, you know, bringing in drivers from other disciplines in motorsports is, is a very big plus. Um, and I think that it helps bring in, um, you know, new interest to the sport. So, you know, these are all really good things that are happening. And I really, you know, have a lot of respect for what Justin Marks has done. Um, you know, he's done a lot in a very short amount of time, more so than a lot of other owners have ever been able to do. Um, this is a pretty new team. And even though it is technically the remnants of Chip Ganassi racing, it is brand new ownership. And the fact that they've come in and, and won with, both of their full-time drivers this season and, you know, had a, a successful run uh, with the 91 car this past weekend. I, I think that the, the future is incredibly bright for this team and, 
I'm certainly excited to see who else they can bring in to run that 91 car next year. Okay, Jay. Yeah, what Andy and Mike said, all really good things. And what he is doing is, I mean, borderline on unbelievable or even unimaginable, but he is making it happen. Uh, I, I see the IndyCar thing. I jokingly said something about him buying out Ganassi there because I also read an article about some issues Ganassi is having with uh, one of his teams. Jimmy Johnson hasn't been re-signed yet for a contract for next year. And there's another lawsuit, and I think that has to do with the uh, the driver. Uh-huh. But to see him have those aspirations and dreams, making it happen, and we saw it already unfold this weekend just with that one race. And like Mike pointed out, the response they have already as to the future just on the Project 91 side, on the NASCAR side. That's huge for NASCAR because you're getting that. What did uh, Sharon? I don't remember how many. What did there were? How many different countries represented in this uh, previous weekend's race? Oh, yeah. You know, I things think like eight, that are great. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, unbelievable that we're seeing happen, and he's really the driving force with it. You know, I have a specific team designated for that with this project one. Um, is just outside the box thinking, and, and it's working. And to to see say him hear him say he wants to go IndyCar racing, we've seen other teams do it. I see it happening tomorrow. I mean, just the way he's driven and what he's doing, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see the headline tomorrow saying he's got the team and it's there and ready to go because we've seen it. So unbelievable! Not enough props can go out to uh, to Trackhouse Justin Marks and Trackhouse Racing. What they've done, what they want to do and are making happen, and how it's benefiting NASCAR as a whole, um, as a sport. I'll tell you what, I am a huge fan of Justin Marks. <laughs> uh, he was part of the, uh, was it Turner Scott Motorsports as well, um, with Justin Marks. He is, he is an anything-is-possible kind of thinker, and I love that about him. Uh, he's he's done that from a personal level because he's a mountain climber. I mean, he's done so much in his life uh, personally as well as as the leader of track house racing. Uh, and he does not see the problem. He looks beyond the problem, and he's a problem solver. He finds the solution, and I really love that about him. Uh, I really am excited with what he is doing. He's turning the sport up on its heels. Uh, and what he did this last weekend uh, in the development of the Project 91 uh, thing that he has going on is just astounding uh, that so many people are excited about uh, getting an opportunity uh, to be part of the Project 91 program with Trackhouse Racing. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, and, and uh, I, you know, I'm just adding on to what you guys have already said. Uh, I, I think uh, it's wonderful what he's doing. Um, and I look for him to really continue uh, to make waves uh, within this sport. And I think it's positive waves. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if other teams, uh, well, we've already seen it. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports is doing something similar too, aren't they? There, there's it's called a garage something, garage 51 or something. I that's can't remember. The, uh, that's the 24-hour Le Mans project. 
Okay, there you go. Yeah, so uh, it's good to see that these organizations are reaching beyond NASCAR because when when you create that kind of interest that people from F1, IndyCar, FIA, WEC, all these people are saying, we want to be a part of this Project 51, um, that is a positive sign for NASCAR, and that's because of Justin Marks and what he's doing at Trackhouse Racing. So uh, I haven't seen that kind of interest for a long, long time in NASCAR, and uh, I, I think he's going to continue to uh, turn the sport on its heels, and I think it's a positive uh, because, like I say, it's it's all about problem-solving, not being worried about what the uh, obstacles are, but finding a way around those obstacles, and Justin Marks is doing that. Mike? Like you guys said, I am thrilled with what's going on here. Uh, I'm pretty active on Reddit, like you guys know, and I've seen a bunch of posts this week, a bunch of them, and they're all saying the same thing. Hey, I never watched NASCAR before. I tuned in this past weekend to watch Kimi Raikkonen run at Watkins Glen. It was a great race, and I'm going to be watching Daytona this coming week. Can you please explain this NASCAR thing to me? So Project 91 not only brought in a new driver with Kimi Raikkonen, it seems like it brought in a whole bunch of new fans who tuned in to watch Kimi race, and they like what they saw. It didn't hurt that Watkins Glen was a great race. So hopefully this, this outreach via Project 91, bringing in these popular and very accomplished drivers from other series and other disciplines, brings in these new fans and we as NASCAR, as a, as a sport, are able to give them something they like to see and want to see more. And, again, we can credit that growth and that interest to Justin Marks and his ambitious and, like you said, let's get to yes kind of approach to things. And I really, really like it. I can't say enough good things about Justin Marks and Trackhouse for making it happen. Okay. Andy, your follow-up. Uh, no follow-up. Okay, Jay. Well, uh, how many how many more ways can you say it? I mean, truthfully, <laughs> the the future and health of NASCAR is riding on right now. Justin Marks and Trackhouse Racing, because that with the Gen Seven car, they said they wanted to be able to see teams come in, be competitive from the get go. He made that happen. Went from a one car to a two car championship contending team within two years. Uh, you know, we talked about 2311, whether or not they could do it. It's been a little bit slower for them. Um, unfortunately, they're one playoff driver now out. But Trackhouse has really set the bar, and that's going to carry the sport and build the sport as a whole. Like Mike said, you know, the eyes that are now on NASCAR because of it, which, again, uh, when we say a sport survives without one player or one team, but they certainly have an impact. There are certainly one that have such a great impact. And when you talk about a team owner, Justin Marks has already established himself as one that has had a huge impact on the sport. Yeah, he's a leader for sure. I don't have a whole lot to add except that uh, he is a true motivational person uh, that if you're stuck on the negatives, uh, he he is a good example of uh, that's wasted energy. It's better to look at what the solutions are. And uh, I'm really motivated by him. And uh, I really think that uh, uh, he's going to be a positive force within NASCAR for a long, long time. 
Mike? Well, that's about it. I really can't wait to see what's next for Project 91. I don't know if they've said that they've got any more races they're planning on running with the 91 car yet this year, nor do I know if they've announced any drivers. But it's definitely something I'm going to pay attention to. If they're able to bring in somebody like Kimi Raikkonen for the first attempt with that car and get the kind of recognition and notoriety that they got with Kimi in the car – I really, really am looking forward to see who they're able to get next. And hopefully, I would love to see one of these ringers come in and, and win one of these races, if not Kimi Raikkonen. Somebody, I, I'm not the kind of guy who wants to build a fence around NASCAR and says, hey, only our NASCAR drivers can win. I want to see somebody come in in the 91 car and win a NASCAR Cup Series race, kind of like Mario Andretti used to do back in the day. Guy has like half a dozen starts and two or three wins in the Cup Series. Okay, we'll let that be the last word. Andy, what's our next hot topic? Joey Logano resigns uh, with Team Penske. Okay. Uh, Jay? Well, that's the headline, but I think there's so many different things that come into play here. Um, First with Penske. They've shored up uh, Ryan Blaney uh, last week or the week before relatively recently. They now got Joey Logano locked down. Austin Sendrick, uh, a rookie, came in this year. I think he, I'm pretty sure he's on a multi-year. Team Penske is secure. And I think back to what happened with Brad Keselowski um, and then with Kyle Busch. I know with Brad Keselowski, he was looking for uh, a team leadership and ownership, and they just didn't have that available, and that's part of what led to that. But they also look at what they're having issues with with the Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs Racing. I think they're staying ahead of the game. Uh, and then we also saw, that was the other one, um, Tyler Reddick uh, winning for Richard Childress but signing to t- drive with another team the next year. They're taking all of that off the table so they can focus on their race team and their organization and winning races and championships. So uh, I'm glad to see it. Uh, I think that they got a very solid team put together there with the range of Joey Logano as a veteran, Ryan Blaney in the middle, and Austin Sindrick uh, as a future. Okay, Mike. I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so, I told you so, I told you so there was a Logano deal coming. And you guys said, oh, no, he's not in a contract year. Oh, no, we're not going to hear anything about Logano until next year. And I told you there was a Logano deal coming. Okay, so that's, that's, that's enough gloating. But, yeah, like Jay said, it's great that, uh, that Team Penske has, has really, they've got their entire driver lineup nailed down for the foreseeable future. And uh, the the – Taking that uncertainty out of the equation is really great for a team that going into the playoffs with two out of the three are locked in. Austin Sindrick and Joey Logano are both locked into the playoffs with wins. Ryan Blaney is not locked in, but we already discussed the likelihood that Ryan Blaney will make it into the playoffs, barring something completely catastrophic. So it's looking very likely that all three Team Penske cars will be in the playoffs starting next weekend. And... All three of them are going to be going in there knowing that their future is secure for the long term and that they are not racing for their jobs. They're just racing for their championship hopes, and that's what they can focus on and not be sitting there. Kyle Busch is going to be in the playoffs too, but he's going to be sweating what's he going to be doing in 2023 as opposed to trying to win the championship in 2022. Okay. Uh, Yeah, and let's just be clear about this. 
Joey Logano was signed already through 2023. They've extended it now to 2025 and maybe even beyond that because all they said was a multi-year deal. So uh, I think we were both kind of correct on that just to set the record straight. Uh, that uh, uh, what I see happening at Team Penske is exactly what Jay said. Uh, one word, stability. They are building their stability uh, for the coming years and uh, keeping the driver like Joy Logano through 25 and beyond is uh, a fantastic step for them to take. Um, so uh, I am uh, excited that Joy is going to be back. I think Team Penske is a, a premier organization within NASCAR. Uh, and to have drivers like Austin Sindrick and Ryan Blaney uh, already signed as well gives them the stability that they're not going to have anything, uh, uh, you know, distracting their drivers over these next several years. So we'll see what happens. There's uh, more to the story, and that's yet to unfold. But uh, I, I think it's exciting to see Joy Logano signed, uh, not just through 2023, but five and beyond. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, really to echo what's already been said, I think that, you know, this is a big deal for the stability of Team Penske in the Cup Series um, to have essentially all three of your drivers locked up long-term. I don't know what the terms of Cindric's deal is, but I suspect that it's long-term, and then we know for sure that Logano and Blaney have multi-year deals ahead of them. So, um, obviously a big deal for their future. They're all young drivers, and I think that they all have bright futures. We know that Logano is already a Cup Series champion and has had a successful career. Brian Blaney has also, you know, been successful as a playoff driver and race winner, and, and Cindric, of course, winning the Daytona 500 this year. Um, really just kind of tells the tale of the Team Penske drivers having a strong future. So, um you know, one of the few teams I think that has all of their drivers, you know, locked down long-term. So certainly really good for for the future of this team. And I think that, um, you know, when you can eliminate that distraction of of a driver that doesn't know what they're doing and, and you can put all your focus into not only, you know, this year's playoffs, but also subsequent seasons, I think that it only benefits um, the long-term you know, sustainability of the team's ability to go out there and, and win races and championships. So um, kudos to them for getting the job done, and, and obviously we'll, you know, see what they can do by putting all their focus into the playoffs. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. Well, was, it, was this the week I took off that Mike was right? I, I don't know if I caught that or not, but um, – no, if he did, good on you, and it's been hit. I think that, that stability, take away that distraction. I mean, overall, mentioned they got three teams um, heading into the playoffs, uh, most likely. As far as the Ford camp, they've kind of been the leader. I know Stuart Haas Racing has been back and forth. Uh, Harvick had his hot streak, but Team Penske has kind of been the for- forefront for Ford, and I think that's a huge thing. Just take away all that distraction they're focused on, racing wins and championships um so i like to see it i like all the drivers i like the uh the team they have set up there uh and i think it's going to be good for their team and look out for that blue oval there with team penske okay uh mike your follow-up 
So I'm wondering if this is going to be kind of a trend. I, I know sponsorship is a big part of it, and sometimes the money just it doesn't work. But I can't help but wonder if uh, the, the one-year deals that have been kind of the trend lately – uh, are going to start going away, the short-term contracts. And like I said, I understand a lot of that is driven by sponsorship, but you look at some of the teams, Brad Keselowski was signed to a one-year deal, and he left Team Penske at the end of that deal. Tyler Reddick was signed to one more year at Richard Childress Racing, and then he left Richard Childress Racing. And there's been a few other instances like that where drivers have been signed to these one-year deals, and – if, they're, if the driver's doing really well, they've got a lot of leverage to either move to a different team or make some serious demands of their current team. So I'm wondering now, with Team Penske getting ahead of a Logano contract, a year ahead of a Logano contract, where it wasn't necessary until next year, really, to get him to sign anything, I'm wondering if that's indicative of a trend that we're going to start seeing through the Cup Series now, where drivers are signed to longer-term deals and teams are more likely to put that long-term investment in a driver. Hendrick um, Motorsports has been good about keeping drivers and letting them grow and develop. Uh, William Byron's a good example where his first few years at Hendrick Motorsports were very rough. He didn't do very well. And there was a lot of people saying, yeah, if he had done that at a Toyota team, he would have been on the street. And Hendrick Motorsports had the foresight to hold on to William Byron and he won two races to start this year. He's been a little bit cold through the summer, but uh, William Byron has definitely developed into a fairly strong driver for Hendrick Motorsports because they put that long-term commitment into him. So I'm, I'm wondering if the combination between seeing long-term drivers be successful like William Byron and seeing short-term deals kind of blow up in the face of some of these teams where they're losing some of their top talent because they're not willing to sign them to a long-term deal. I wonder if that's going to kind of change the landscape of driver contracts going forward here where teams will seek that stability and try and eliminate the distractions. Like, for example, Joe Gibbs races and going through with Kyle Busch. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. I think a lot of it is situational, but uh, uh, and I think a lot of it is just Team Pinsky. <laughs> I think he's a buttoned-up kind of guy, and he's got a lot of things on his plate. They always say if you want something done, go to a busy person to ask him to do it because they find a way to make it happen. Uh, so I think a lot of that is Team Penske and the way that they uh, – that standard operating procedure, I think, for them when you think about the drivers that they've had in the past. Now, yeah, they had that short-term contract with uh, uh, Brad Keselowski, but what we don't know – is maybe Brad Keselowski didn't want it to be any more than a year because uh, he knew uh, the situation with Penske wasn't going to develop into what he wanted, and they gave him that one-year contract to sort it all out and figure out what he wanted to do. So uh, I, I think it's situational on some of these situa- uh, some of these uh, scenarios that we're seeing play out, but it could be a trend that's developing as well. Um, and and we'll see how it plays out. But uh, I, uh, I I just think uh, Team Penske is a buttoned-up organization. They're doing their job uh, the way it should be done. And uh, I don't see Austin Sindrick going anywhere now. They say Blaney is 24-plus. 
Uh, Austin Sindrick is actually signed through 2022. He'll be the next announcement, I'm sure. Uh, but I don't see any reason for Austin Sendrick to be leaving uh, Team Penske. I saw him on a Dale Jr. download uh, episode, and uh, uh, he he felt pretty positive about being with Penske for some time forward. So uh, I don't I don't see that being an issue there. Uh, anyway, uh, kudos to Team Penske and what they're doing. Andy, your final thoughts. Yeah, that's really all that needs to be said. I think that um smart for them to get long-term deals with all their drivers in place, and I think that when you can eliminate that distraction, it only benefits the team and, and its drivers for, um, you know, focusing on the playoffs this year. So, you know, really smart, whoever's in charge of negotiating to get those deals done before the playoffs. Um, you know, there's some other key scenarios, um, like Kyle Busch, for example, who don't know yet, or at least not publicly, what they're going to be doing for next year. And those kind of distractions are tough, not only for the driver at hand, but also the teams they drive for. So, um, you know, if you're Team Penske, it was just really smart to get those deals done um, before they focus on trying to go win a championship. Okay, we'll let that be the last word for tonight. And uh, we'll go do our roundtable here. And, uh, Jay, we'll start with you. All right. You can uh, follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And when I usually talk about your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway, at this point we've got to put some prayers out. They are underwater. The track is underwater. Uh, coming off the Tennessee River, the levee has flooded. So they're not racing this weekend, unfortunately. Hopefully it uh, dries back up and they're able to go in two weeks uh, for their Labor Day race. Okay, thoughts and prayers there. Okay, Mike. All right, it's Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike Double underscore O on Reddit. Sad news to hear about the uh, Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway. Uh, so I echo Jay's concern. Hopefully they're able to get the track dried out and there's not any other significant damage once that flood water gets uh, gets out of there. I can say we have had a lot of rain in the area. Not so much flooding stuff up in the uh, northeastern side of Mississippi, but I know uh, the Jackson area, not just the Speedway, the southern and southern and western side of Mississippi has definitely gotten some pretty serious rain. So, uh, yeah, definitely hoping that uh, everyone gets, uh, gets dried out and, and back in business here. Uh, I am indescribably excited looking forward to the racing at Daytona this weekend. I cannot wait. I'm going to be watching it live. I really hope my buddy Andy Lasky is going to be there in the race day chat, and uh, we're going to have a blast on Saturday night watching this racing. Okay. Andy? Yeah, um, to echo what he said, I intend to do just the same. Really excited about Daytona this weekend as we get the playoff field set. Um uh, hoping the weather cooperates. Obviously, thunderstorms in Florida this time of year are not uh, always conducive to, to racing, but hopefully they cooperate and we see some good racing Saturday and uh, Friday with the Xfinity Series. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some crazy racing and some wrecks and a lot to talk about, and, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be fun. We're talking about uh, Friday and Saturday night racing in both of those series, and and uh, we haven't seen a lot of that this year. So uh, this is the season finale for uh, the Cup Series and a lot on the line here. So I, too, 
am looking forward to the racing at Daytona this weekend. I am Bamford Racing site on Twitter and Bamford Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including BamfordRacing.com. And uh, I am uh, going to be watching the race on Saturday, on Friday and Saturday night, for that matter. And uh, on Sunday there are the Arca race at the Milwaukee Mile, so I'll be keeping an eye on that race as well. Uh, and uh, a big thank you to our uh, fan racing crew here tonight, uh, Jay Huseman, Andy Lasky, Mike Orzel. Thank you for being here. We appreciate uh, all that you contribute. And uh, also to all of our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we do appreciate each and every one of you, and we hope you enjoy your weekend of racing as well, and we hope we've prepared you uh, for what to watch for in all of these races. So uh, with that, I think we're ready to call it a night, guys, and I hope you have a good, uh, safe weekend this weekend, and I hope uh, things get better out there at uh, Jackson Motor Speedway. Have a good, good night, night, everybody. Good night. Thanks. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.